I, my favorite part of View Good Men is when Demi Moore gets mad at Viggo Mortensen and says, "Suck my dick." <laughs> That's GI Jane. I just mix it up the two movies. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yeah, boy! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. The Flava Flav, Jeremy. That was spontaneous. Um and from music video sends Barrett share. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Midway through, I wanted to bail on that. <laughs> I was trying to do a little John, and no. Um, I wanted to uh go ahead and do all of our where you can con- contact us stuff up at the t- up top. Yeah, because I know that some of you probably just like, oh, okay, that's the end of the episode. Click. Uh, but I just wanted to, uh, mention that you can go to Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook, uh, CinemaSins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twitter. Uh, we have a Reddit, we have a Discord, uh, there you can go to a, a variety of places and get a link to the Discord. Usually, uh, if you go to Facebook, I can give you a link on the private, uh, messages, um, and then, uh, we also have a PO box oh, that yeah. we established. Um, uh, it's, uh, you can address it to CinemaSins or, or Chris or Jeremy or Barrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, uh, PO box 92466, Nashville, Tennessee, 37209. You can address um, it to Peter if you want to, as long as the PO box is correct. Right, right. Now, I will be confused <laughs> when I look at it. But, but, and I will wonder if I'm opening the right mail, but you know, um, I just figured to throw that out there as well. Uh, so yeah, the PO box nine, two, four, six, six, Nashville, Tennessee, three, seven, two, oh, nine. Uh, I'm not going to go through the normal spiel at the end of the, of the podcast. So that's where you can contact us about this episode. That's right. Uh, which we are going to get into now. A bunch of you are angry about something. I can tell. I'm taking crazy pills! I'm as mad as hell! You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus! Lord Jesus! <laughs> Are you angry? I, I gotta pull up my notes and remember if I'm angry. Are you angry, Chris? Oh, I can... I'm a little angry. I'll tell you what I'm angry about. Um, So, in the past week, probably one week, seven days, uh, I have seen a car next to me and a passenger or driver just simply throw their cup of whatever they're drinking out onto the street. Ooh. The cup itself or the contents of the cup? The cup itself. The fuck? In 2019? I don't understand. Look, I'm not one of those guys going around, you can't litter, man. <laughs> you can't not like that. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, you don't see a tear shedding because <laughs> I see all the trash. But, I, my, the, the thing that makes, this is, the thing that makes me angry is why. I want to know why. Yeah. Like, you can't keep that in your car until no. you get home. It's a car. It, you, you, you have spaces for this. <laughs> you, you can't just like, yeah, you have spaces for this. And That's I don't understand crazy. why you wouldn't just wait till you get to your destination. One, actually, uh, one person that I saw do this, I actually, 
drove to where my destination was and they were they were close by to where they and i saw them where they went and i was like oh you couldn't have just thrown the cup out there there's mm. trash everywhere there mm. wow like why could they went to some bar or something i was like you can't there's a, you can't throw that out that's crazy why would you do that unless you're just being an asshole on purpose wow i don't see shocking acts of like overt acts of littering these days so that's wild that twice in one week yes you encountered i this. have seen it twice where people just like eh, don't need that anymore and just throws it out onto the <laughs> sidewalk the like look <laughs> this isn't causing this isn't causing the climate crisis right this right. this right here isn't it's easily like just whatever but my main thing is why <laughs> why do you do that like that's this that's what irritates me in driving in general is a lot not really people doing things that are illegal but things that are like uh why why would you do that there's n there's no advantage to doing this yeah. except for being an asshole that's yeah. all it is <laughs> and so i see this all the time but yeah i, I was it's, it's one of those things you don't like you're not looking at the other car. You just all of a sudden hear a noise mm. and you just see, a, you know, the, the remains of a cup just rolling on, the, rolling on the street. I would be shocked by that. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm so shocked that like you guys watch Mad Men, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was one episode. Oh, I know where, what you're about to talk where about. Don takes the whole family. It's when everybody's still together. Yeah. He takes the whole family to a park and he's drinking beer. And he's knocking them back, and it's about time to go. And he crushes up the beer can and just chucks it into the park. Well, yeah, and they. <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck?" And they, well, they all get up and go to the car and leave and all their all shit there. there. <laughs> yeah. It's the craziest thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, no, that's wild. That's wild that in this day and age that uh, people are still doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, it, it's, it's, it may, it, it may more makes me mad because I don't know what, why. Yeah. It, that's the reason. Like, it's, it, you just. For me, it's like it's easy. You 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 have a cup. You just put it in the cup holder, and then you throw it away when, you get, away when you get home or wherever you go. Yeah. yeah, it's easy. It's really easy. That's wild. Yeah, that's a good rant. That's so. something worth ranting about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fuck. All right. I have a happy rant. A happy oh, rant. Okay. I almost did this a few weeks ago, but um, I'm I'm I've become a bit of a bottled water connoisseur. Really? Uh, what? Really? And it's I, I started out very very simple. I did for because when I started out about a year ago drinking bottled water on the regular, it, the, my world was Dasani and Aquafina. This is regular water, not flavored water. Just not flavored up. water, just bottled water. Yeah. And so I I preferred Dasani to Aquafina. I didn't explore water. Mm. I just Dasani is it's doing fine for me. Then accidentally, I found myself Dasaniless, and mm. the only available bottled water to me was this brand called Icelandic. Where the, mm. the bottle at the top of the bottle actually looks like a mountain. It's all crinkled and looks like a, <laughs> that water is delicious. It's from a, a spring in Iceland. Then I started looking at water sources and I found that spring water tastes better to me than other water or tap water that has been finagled. Mm -hmm. As uh, <clears throat> I've probably tried 16, 17 different bottled waters in the last six months and I've settled on one that is the best. And this is not sponsored. This is just no. Your, this is not sponsored. Your opinion, right? I'll take your money if you want to send it to me, because <laughs> I know you got plenty of it. We'll get into that in a minute. But it's called Just Water, all caps, J U S T, Water. the 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 packaging, it basically is a paper bottle. It's a boxed. Oh, nice. It's a boxed water. Okay, it's, so it's not it's bright blue, mm -hmm. and the bottle has all the important 
ecological information printed on it. About the bottles made from fifty percent paper, twenty eight percent plants, five percent aluminum foil. Hmm. Something it's all recyclable. The cap is made from fucking sugar cane. And it comes <laughs> it's sourced from a spring wall, a, a natural spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to a point where I, every time I would crumple up a Dasani bottle and throw it in the trash, I would rough, picture right? that Texas sized floating plastic island out in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. And, and again, I can't single handedly end global warming, but I can feel better about my lifestyle. And so I only even tried this thing because I knew it was a plant based paper. I even think I said on the a podcast, maybe just in casual conversation, a couple years ago, they have boxed wine. Why can't I ever get boxed water? I'm yeah. pretty sure I said this out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that they, they have it, it's good. Now they do sell two varieties that have a hint of fruit flavor. Mm-hmm. I can't taste it. it tastes the same as the other. They got like an orange and a lemon. Um, Jaden Smith and his father Will are the major investors in this company. Really? Uh, that's okay. why I said I know they have plenty of money. <laughs> and if you want to make jokes about Jaden Smith's tweets, like I do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Just remember when he when he went out at age whatever the fuck twenty two to decide to invest in a company. This is what he chose, right. and I think he gets kudos for that. Um, he he and his father went and toured the facility and learned everything before they jumped in. And I love it. It tastes really really good. And every time I crumple it up and throw it away, I feel a little better about myself. Nice. I even have tried two other waters since then. Just for flavor, to see if I might like them more, and I keep going back to is just the, water. Is the packaging itself not recyclable? You mean on a regular bottled water? On just water. No, it is. Oh, it is? Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. It's, it's, that's why they make the bottle out of paper and plants. So so you would throw it in your paper recycling? Yes. Then? Oh, okay. oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. If I, you were to recycle. Yes, the township I live in doesn't have recycling honestly you should do what i do and that is to collect bags full of of bottles uh until it's untenable to live around (laughs) and then take it to uh there's a place that i go to it's uh, it's at white's creek high school yeah the local recycling place nearest me we found out a few months ago they were just taking everything to a landfill awesome so i didn't feel so good about recycling anymore (laughs) um because it's, it's gotten so expensive to recycle some types and, and to sort some types of materials. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I don't have a recycling option available to me currently. But at least you're not throwing more plastic into exactly. the world. Exactly. Yeah. And the water tastes good. Mm-hmm. How do you get into bottled water, though? Or like, like, like. Gotta say, this was surprising to me that he was into bottled water. Yeah. Okay. So I have been uh, for about a year and a half trying to maybe two years trying to get healthier trying uh-huh. to improve my life in multiple ways the therapy is part of it my mental health uh i quit smoking mm. um and uh, trying to lose weight i started working out um trying to cut carbs and eat better so the bottled water was just one of many areas i'm trying to get better and I so I, I get up in the morning the first thing i do is grab a bottle of water and as i go through my morning routines i work on that bottle of water and then i have another one in the afternoon and mm. if i can i get a third one in at night but you think you're supposed to have like eight bottles of water a day. Yeah. I'm not getting anywhere close to that. <laughs> but yeah, right. I'm a bottle of water guy. And I've graduated from the Aquafina and Dasani, owned by Coke and Pepsi, respectively, or uh-huh. Uh-huh. irrespectively. Um, and I'm, I'm, now, I'm now a connoisseur. You can taste the difference. I'm a sommelier of water. I can. I wonder, and I'm not going to subject it, it to you to it, but I wonder if you could tell the difference. Like you could name your just water no. in a blind taste test. No. No, it's not that at all. In fact, 
it's probably a lot more subtle difference in taste. But mm. every single bottle of water has something on the side of it that says, you know, minerals added for flavor or taste or what have you. And oh, I think if you yeah. sit down with three or four different bottles, brands of water and drink from each of them, you will be able to taste a difference, even mm. if you can't go, oh, that's definitely Oak Park or whatever the fuck. Oak Park. <laughs> Deer, Molin Spring. Molin Spring. Movie Deer Park. Deer Park. Deer Park. Deer yeah. Park. Anyway, so I like that water. It tastes really good. I'm really happy about it. I've been telling people about it. Now I'm telling you about it. And it's better for the environment. So, Maybe uh, Will, uh, Big Willie, is uh, is listening to this podcast. Yeah, he wants to- I'm sure he has the free time to do that. <laughs> I, um, I, I I drink uh, my water. I got the fridge with the filter and yeah. all that and everything. So I, I drink it that way. And, and so you're not even throwing anything away that Not way. throwing anything away. Even if I did, if I had water, I, I bought bottle, bottled water before. But yeah, I do that thing like I just said, where I just like, I have like six or seven <laughs> bags full of freaking <laughs> bottles. And then, and then I, all right, it's time to go. Seriously. <laughs> There's no place to step on my floor. <laughs> yeah. It's like the closet is like just filled with these bags. Oh, Jesus. Uh, but good, uh, good happy rant. You brought some, some joy and some positivity. Frivolity. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to immediately submarine that. Excellent. So Saturday Night Live is a, is a very, is an obvious punching bag, right? Yep. Uh, for in terms of comedy. For a long time. For a long time. Almost since its inception, yeah. essentially. In the off season, we had all the casting controversy with the mm-hmm. the, the racist stuff that, that came up mm. online. And so it finally premiered on Saturday. And I was vaguely excited for it for some reason. I traditionally like Saturday Night Live more than your average person. Uh, even on the off, uh, the off skits, usually there's something that'll make me giggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so it comes back on Saturday. Weirdly, I know why it's to promote the Zombieland 2, but Woody Harrelson was the host. And like, if you're trying to tap into the zeitgeist and the, 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 the kids and stuff like that, you don't really want to go with Woody Harrelson as your, your opening day starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wasn't good. He wasn't, he wasn't good in the monologue or that kind of thing. Cold open, of course, was a Trump thing that was v- wildly unfunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, this this rant is not about Woody Harrelson, by the way. But later on, he comes back. They do a town hall with all the the Democratic uh, candidates, and he plays Joe Biden, and he's actually really good in that. Oh yeah. Uh, have you seen any of this? I haven't. Um, but the the episode at best was extremely uneven, and at worst was pretty much unfunny. But there's a saving grace. Young Billie Eilish mm-hmm. was the musical guest, mm-hmm. and. I mentioned that I'd like to see her perform live because it's so very quiet and yeah. her delivery and stuff. Let like me that. interject. Uh, Sirius XM has been playing an hour long block of her singing live. Yes. And it's the been, thing that you were talking about. Right? Yeah. And it's awesome. It is, is it? awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah th- there's a way that she can affect it live that it works, mm-hmm. at least from what I saw on this this episode. Yeah. So she comes on the, the opening song. They always do two songs. The first one is Bad Guy, her big hit. And it opens up on her band, which is basically her brother on bass and then the the drummer over there. And then it cuts to this ISO shot of Billy in a square room. And I'm like, oh, that's a, kind of a cool perspective. Traditionally, SNL performances have been just on the stage and everybody just kind of like moving around and it's just a static set. Kanye West actually famously changed this when he did mm-hmm. like this really huge production when he did uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy performances. And it was gorgeous. And so they have this ISO shot and it's really cool. And then like as the song progresses, she starts walking on the right hand wall. 
And then as the song progresses, she kind of morphs into walking upside down. Mm. And then she's moving over to the left one and all that stuff. And yes, this has been done before uh, in videos to where there's obviously a rotating, there's a static camera on the bottom of the the cube, and it rotates like a cement mixer, essentially, Mm. just very slowly and choreographed. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's still a cool effect. And you want that ISO shot to, to keep to see how they do it. In the middle of the song, camera pans out to show the box moving from the Ooh, outside yeah, perspective. Yeah. And then it goes back to the static shot. And I'm like, Ooh. what the fuck, dude? Like, you've ruined the entire illusion. I know it's an illusion. I know how it works. Mm. But, like, why would you do that? And it's it's maybe two, three seconds or something like that. And I can't, for the life of me, wrap my head around whether this was intentional or whether this was accidental. And I'm not sure which is worse. How if long it were, did it stay on the on the wide shot? About two or three seconds, but long enough to completely disrupt any illusions that but you that have. But fe- that seems plausible. It could have been an accident. It could be, in in which case, then that's a negligent thing. You, it it is live television, but also you've had all this time in the off season to plan this. It's what annoyed me about the skits not being very good because mm-hmm. you had all this time to work on this and refine it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it were intentional. That's really egregious. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Yeah. If it's if it's accidental, uh, get a better cameraman. See, I could see a technical director wanting to show off the accomplishment and that leading to the wide shot of, uh, I want to beat my chest. I want everybody at home to know exactly how hard this was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, they did do it at the end. They then panned out that the That makes shot. more sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, because, and then she did that little coda at the end of it where it's like the, the weird boom, yeah, boom. But yeah, I, that, that one shot has been bothering me since Saturday night, (laughs) (laughs) whether it was accidental or intentional, like do your fucking job, man. Like make this work visually. The rest of it was really, really good. Well, she's a great performer. Obviously it wouldn't be the, the cameraman that would be at fault. There would be your director. Right. Yeah. He's cutting to that shot. Yeah. That's cutting that shot and telling his cameraman, all right, I need you to do this or, it tells him to do that, but he accidentally switches over while he's doing it. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, you know, yeah, those things are going to happen. Well, there's no reason to cut to anything besides maybe cutting to like the 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 bassist or something like mm. that. But you've got that that beautiful ISO shot that you've obviously worked very hard on. Keep it fucking on that shot. Yeah. Love the duration the, of the performance. That Troubadour concert when she does bury a friend mm-hmm. at the end when she's doing that when we all fall asleep she goes where do we go <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome because <laughs> there's just this pure like there's something between her and her audience right in that moment because they're singing along with yeah. her when we all fall asleep where do we and it was so celebratory god yeah. you need to listen to that and she's I, do, saying, I do she says something in the middle of it where she's like uh like I'm, ha- I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering that I'm actually doing a show here. Like <laughs> everybody's all around. Where it's like I'm with my friends and nice. everything. Of course, everybody's like, yeah. Is yeah. it on Alt Nation? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I need to listen to that more. You can actually, probably get it on demand as well. Okay. I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Oh, that's true. I never. I, I always stream it live, so mm-hmm. I never really remember that you can just go to something. Oh, uh, it's good though. Yeah. 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 Good yeah. rant though. I'm telling you. I'm telling SNL you. with its bad foot forward. Mm-hmm. Although want, you can't get him a stone because she was just on, wasn't she just on last year? She was on last year, and then you know I don't think, I don't think White Urkel is a bigger draw. Uh, uh, Zuckerberg, I can't think of his name. Eisenberg. Eisenberg. 
I don't know why oh, I called him White oh, Urkel. Okay. I don't think Eisenberg is the kind of name that's going to draw to, to SNL. Yeah. <laughs> White Urkel. <laughs> oh, my God. What's funny is that next week or, you know, the week uh, prior or the episode prior to this posting is your girl that I think you're going to talk about, Phoebe Waller. Phoebe, Kate Phoebe, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Bridge. Phoebe Waller Bridge is the host. It's like, oh, cool. You know, she's got a, a, a good show and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. The musical guest is Taylor Swift. Hmm. You're going to get buried. If you're not like Alec Baldwin or something like that, you're going to get buried by Taylor Swift mm -hmm. in, uh, in, in the actual like headlines for this well, show. Well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 And, and, and a lot of times they, they try to get that. They strike the iron while it's hot, you know, when they mm -hmm. get these actors and everything. And it's, they're not exactly prepared to do that, although she's very talented. So I'm, I'd like to, I'd like to see what. Doesn't she, she also write that show? She does. She's, she's the creator yeah. of that show That's and writes it. Yeah. She's probably savvy. Well, mm. I hope they find a way to use Taylor in in like, comedic ways because she's funny. Obviously, it's it's. I would never blame the the host for any Saturday Night Live failing, except for some rare occasions. Yeah. Uh, but. But like the one with Aquafina that was on last last year uh -huh. while Aquafina was like hot and everything. And I guess she still is in, in some way, but she was like in everything at that one point. And that Saturday Night Live she was on. Oh, it wasn't was good. Dreadful. Really? Yeah. I didn't see that one. Yeah. And it was it was sad because she came out and said, you know, this is I'm the first Asian American to be or yeah, a, yeah, Asian yeah. American woman or something like that to be on this show. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good, that's awesome. And then the show sucked. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. See, you guys need to, you need to come into my world and just wait till the next day. Don't watch that shit live anymore. I know. The I internet will tell you if it was funny episode or not. And then the, uh, half a dozen blogs will just put all the videos here in, in the order of their funniness. That's true. Like I watched the Apple Orchard commercial from that uh -huh. SNL episode. Oh, the Adam Sandler? No. No. no, this was uh, it, it was from that most recent episode. It was like a fake apple orchard oh. where you could come and pick your own apples. Oh, okay. I, I love the line. Is my Rudolph still on that show? Yeah, well, she was in this episode. Oh, she guessed but, it but she says episode. she had to pay forty dollars to pick ten to take home ten dollars <laughs> worth of apples. <laughs> but that was funny. A, I, a website I like had said this skit was funny, so I watched. I didn't think it was all that funny, but I watched it. And I didn't waste an hour and a half of my life. I agree. Now, this is usually, you know, my exciting life at, on Saturdays. Like, I'm usually winding down and going to sleep. So, that it'll give me a giggle at some points. Well, okay. You know, as I'm kind of slowly succumbing to the void. Yeah. yeah fair, fair, fair enough. The Adam Sandler thing I was thinking of, this is the reason I don't think, I don't even think it was an apple orchard, but it, the, it was a whole, like, it was a play on this actual ad, I believe. But uh, people people signed up for this thing that was like a vacation and everything that he would say was like, this is not a substitute for your alcoholism or <laughs> stuff like that. You know, you know, yeah. Stuff like that. That was last year. I it was think, last year. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it might've been the uh, season finale <laughs> last year. That, is, that was funny. Yeah. Stuff like that. He was really funny. Okay. Uh, we're going uh, into recommends and warns right off the bat. Yeah, baby. baby. Totes amazeballs. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Since we were just talking about Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I will talk about Fleabag. Yeah, where do you um, find that thing? It's on Amazon Prime. Okay, all, all right. right. So I just read that uh, the CEO of Netflix says that's the one show he he regrets not having. Like, really? Of all the TV that Netflix doesn't have, that's the one he's jealous of. Mm. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. 
she is great in this. She obviously uh, uh, is the creator and and writer. I think the only writer on the show. Really? Of course, it is six episodes per season. There's two seasons. Uh, she just won the uh, the Emmy for I believe acting and writing oh, on wow. the show because I think she, there's a picture of her. I never watched the Emmy, so I don't know. But it, I think I see a picture of her holding two Emmys. The first time I ever saw her was on Broadchurch. She was in season two of Broadchurch, and I was like, "Oh, she's awesome!" You know, whatever. Is she and British? It, yeah. Okay. And uh, and so yeah, it's just about it's about this uh, woman who uh is you know trying to find her way in life and everything and but the and she's uh she's like really you know like crazy almost in a way like just has all these evil thoughts or these like deliciously naughty thoughts Hmm. all the time and everything um i believe it's the very first episode she's like having sex with this guy and she's like you're ever having sex she's like talks to the camera a lot and she looks at the camera a lot uh-huh. in, this, in the show and her looks are priceless a lot of times like you're a lot of a lot of the enjoyment of the show sometimes is when somebody says something crazy and she's like taking it in and she gives that little <laughs> you know and everything but she's having sex at the very beginning so you're never having sex and then you notice that they're getting ever closer to your asshole. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then she, she, she allows the guy to do it. And then at the end, and it's like, it's like, and then, you know, it's no fun and everything. But then at the very end of it, you're like, and because he, because apparently this guy is very hung, very, yeah. very massive. And he's, and she's like, at the very end of it, you're just like, do I just have a huge asshole? <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, she's uh she she runs this cafe uh that's not doing very well. We know that uh, a best friend of hers has recently died because she walked out in the traffic and did something stupid like that. We don't know why right off the bat, but that's a sort of a thread that they pull throughout the first season. And uh, she's got a sister who's very like uppity and very like proper and everything, but she has that little bit of a light side to her too, Ooh. surprising at times, Ooh. but um but the all the characters are pretty well drawn but she is the main draw of this don't you know she's the main draw of this and she's very funny and very mm. engaging and <laughs> and you can watch these two seasons in a blink essentially um the you can watch it in six hours i think you can watch both seasons in six hours are they like 22 30 yeah, 22 episodes? to 30 minute episodes and everything mm. um but yeah, it's it's basically her just trying to go. She's she keeps going relationship to relationship to relationship. Uh, I you get the sense that she's really appealing to the audience, mm-hmm. but like in the real world, like everybody's like reacting to her. Like I don't know what to make of her and everything. Mm. Um, and uh, so it's it, it can be it can be hilarious, and then it can also be a little bit sad because there is some loneliness there. Uh, for all this and she's also racked with guilt about her friend dying and everything Ooh. so uh but uh ultimately it's just uh, it's funny all i think pretty much all the all the episodes stand alone they're they're not it, there's a there are some running threads but that you know there's one episode where she and her sister go to a place where you're, you're supposed to be all quiet the entire time of course she hasn't has no chance of staying quiet the entire time. But meanwhile, next door, there's some other retreat for men who are trying to, who are trying to, uh, uh, learn how to treat women. 
and they they're getting all these different uh they're they're getting their tendencies out so a lot you so you hear like in the middle of the silence you'll hear people going slut (laughs) 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 bitch (laughs) and she of course goes and investigates and everything uh so it's just it's one of those type of shows i can't I, i really i didn't expect much from the show even though it had won emmys and i had never heard of it really before until this yeah, me neither. until this emmy uh, run and i was like i'll go i'll take a look at that and um and uh i'm 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 very much enjoying it i'm really? three episodes away from the season two being done huh. so uh i'm telling you just yeah, started it this you weekend sold me. you sold me because yeah. uh yeah i've heard nothing but good things but i didn't know first thing about it so, it's like when i was describing russian doll and you were like i heard good things but you know nothing yeah. about the actual content yeah um what is the flea bag then is it the cafe that's her that's her that's her i think that's her character name really yeah because uh and i'm not sure they ever say that out loud it might be one of those things where they they actually never say the name but yeah her name is Fleabag. interesting hmm. i was uh, i was picturing that the, the show took place in like a really really grimy dirty apartment i mean she is i I'm, I would assume that there is some sort of parallel to a flea bag and the way she lives mm. and everything. It's, it's a really derogatory way of thinking of someone, I believe. But, um, I mean, it, no, she's very appealing and everything. Again, it's one of those weird things though, where you think because she's so relatable to us, as, to the audience, because she keeps co- talking to us and winking at us and all that. Uh, a lot of the stuff is so subliminal too. Like she'll, she'll say stuff in the middle of a sentence to you <laughs> and, and the way she changes her demeanor and then comes right back into where she, where like huh. the stream of consciousness is, is amazing. Nice. Like I just, I just, I sit there and go, God, like <laughs> to get that nailed down has got to be amazing. Like it's got to be the, it's got to be one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. There awesome. I nice. would recommend awesome. this highly. Nice. Well, uh, Chris, with his Apollo 11 recommend a week or two ago, sent me off looking for historical documentaries, and I just watched They Shall Not Grow Old. I've HBO. heard of this. This is the World War One Peter Jackson painstakingly yeah, right. restored and colorized oh. this World War One documentary footage. Very Band of Brothers in presentation, cutting between uh, interviews of real people. Um, and I'm, I'm not I'm not certain that they shot those interviews in 2018 or whatever. I think a lot of the interview footage is archival as well. Um, but he spent a long ass time. This was a passion project for him. And it's gorgeous. And I mm. hate to say that because you're looking at war. Uh, and there's a whole s- section there on no man's land. Oh, yeah. yeah. From the Wonder Woman mm. movie, because that was a real thing. And mm-hmm. in real life, Wonder Woman didn't show up. Uh, I, oh, really? I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> wow. Um, but they, you know, neither side was willing to move because there was nothing to hide behind. And you could hear the wailing of wounded soldiers, but no medic could go get them. And wow. it dives into how nasty the trenches got. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. And the different kinds of trenches that they built. There's a couple of aerial shots of the trenches and you never think at least not when you're watching band of brothers or that kind of thing you never think about the intentional design of the trenches but they had they had parallel trenches and then they had inner trenches that could get you between each trench right. but the trenches also had to go in this zigzaggy z kind of pattern um 
I was riveted. I feel like I learned a lot. It was gorgeous to look at. Um, I, I feel like, again, most of our American upbringing, you learn more about World War II than yeah. we ever do World War I. Uh, and the interviews range from heartbreaking to hilarious. There's this one guy telling a story about two guys who fell into basically a rat-infested latrine pit. And the old man's like, Nobody wanted to be around them anymore that day. <laughs> and uh, I loved it. I will probably watch it again very soon. This is uh, uh, so they you may have touched on this, but uh, this is this was existing footage that they colorized. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they read the lips of people and and put voices yes. over it. You, and you can hear a lot of background noise because it's footage. silent film uh, that they're restoring. And yes. then, they, yeah, and everything. Uh, that no man's land stuff. I remember listening to a uh, a podcast, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, uh -huh. uh, that talked about all this too. And yeah, the the that that the stuff that you just described about how just how gross everything yeah. was uh was a was a was a something that a lot of people would write in their diaries about and everything. And mm. Just like you know, it's just an awful awful situation all around because you know no there's no headway being but you got to be there and yeah. you know, you got to yeah. deal with all this and there's no you know there's no solutions for all the problems you know so this is uh, HBO oh uh, shit i think it's yeah, HBO yeah it is HBO because i i happened upon the very end of this actually okay. just accidentally uh and it you're right like immediately what caught me was the visuals like it, it's gorgeous yeah whatever he did this is peter jackson is what yeah you and i don't think he just colorized it i think he like upgraded he made it like hd ish mm -hmm. uh in his restoration yeah. um and I, I found it hard to look away even though several times i wanted to because it was yeah uncomfortable yeah uh, I've got a very Jeremy story, by the way. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm excited about this. This was, uh, let's see, Friday night. Friday night, not doing anything. Shocking. Yeah. In fact, we got home from a birthday party. And uh, it's fairly late, but I'm like, I'm, I'm going to turn my brain off. It's about 930 or so. I happen upon a movie, uh, I forget what channel it's on, called The Search Party. Okay. 2014. Oh, T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller, yeah. So T.J. Miller's on my screen the first scene. Thomas Middleditch is on the, the screen in the next scene. Adam Pally, who's from a show called Happy Endings, mm -hmm. uh, Bill Lawrence show that I really liked. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, this is the trio of friends that make up this movie. I'm like, eh, all right, I'll give it a shot. 2014 should be all right. And uh, so I start watching it. You catch it right at the beginning. And the beginning is T.J. Miller... Uh, submarining uh, Thomas Middleditch's wedding mm -hmm. for reasons unknown mm -hmm. that are never explained in the movie. And so he is a prototypical T.J. Miller, can't get out of his own way, fuck up. He's basically fucking Silicon Valley T.J. Miller, where he's he's just, he's he's the irascible asshole that somehow his friends stick with and he keeps getting rewarded by being a fuck up. Uh, only this time, like he's super committed to his friends. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, it's fine. And then all of a sudden, like, uh, Allison Bree shows up and Lance Reddick shows up as, uh, as his boss. And then, uh, Shannon Woodward, who I think was on Westworld, she's the, the jilted bride. Hmm. And so it's all this, like, okay, now they, uh, they're all chummy and everything. They're thinking about moving out, uh, of, of the apartment that they all share. And suddenly Thomas Middleditch goes disappearing. Turns out he was carjacked in Mexico. He was going to see his, uh, his ex 
uh, at their honeymoon location to make things right. He was carjacked, stripped naked, and stolen everything from. Okay? Okay. And they show a lot of Thomas Middleditch completely naked in this movie. Nice. Mm. Dong? And dong and all. Wow. Mm. God bless him. Mm-hmm. He's he's going for it. You know, he just gave an interview three or four days ago that where he credited the swinger lifestyle for saving his marriage. Okay. He and his wife are swingers. He's open about it. Oh, good He for says him. you don't call it swingers anymore. You call it uh, being part of the lifestyle. <laughs> it's fascinating. I can't wait till you do show prep and you look up this interview. Oh, it's going to be fun. Uh, yeah. So then they go down to look for him. And it's every cliche pratfall road trip type of thing that you could ever imagine. Kristen Ritter shows up. Uh, uh, Jason Manzukas shows up. Fucking uh, Rosa Salazar mm-hmm. from Alita Battle Angel Ooh. is in this as TJ Miller's love interest. Ooh. All the ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. All the ingredients to something being at least funny. Fucking Garfunkel and Oates shows up as the wedding band. Oh, um. Uh, Ricky Lindholm and, uh, oh, and both Kate of them Bacucci. show up. Okay. Yes. Yes. This movie is horrible. Mm. It's horrible. J.D. Mm. Smoove is in this too. Yeah. It's fucking horrible. Mm. It's, it's the, the laziest comedy that I think I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know how they, got this amount of talent and just completely wasted it a lot of times the these movies these comedy movies that have everybody in it it's because they're a bunch of buddies yes and that's why the movie they're all doing a favor for somebody they like exactly that's why you know when i brought up that movie hell baby two or three weeks (laughs) ago yeah that was something that i think everybody was just doing because everybody liked each other and hey let's do this together and who gives a fuck if it's good or not you know we just like enjoying we enjoy doing this type of stuff or whatever and uh and so yeah a movie like this is exactly like that i guarantee you there's writers on this that were writers on some show or whatever and they've connected everybody and and yeah yeah i'll do anything that guy asked that guy's great oh my god it was so disappointing it was so lazy i mean there's there's a couple of giggles in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thomas Middleditch, like I said, goes for it at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I think he knows he's in a shitty movie, but like, there's a time where like he gets a pair of pants and then he loses it again, and so his dick is all hanging out and everything, and jumps in a truck, the back of a truck in Mexico, and of course it's full of cocaine. And so when they pull the the thing off, he's covered, including his dick in cocaine and powder and he's like sniffing himself and like licking himself and stuff Mm -hmm. like that getting all twitchy Mm -hmm. that's kind of funny but that's the only (laughs) part uh there is a funny little punctuation song with uh, garfunkel and oates too but overall i can't believe this movie wasn't at least a little funny and yet i kept watching it all the way to the fucking end yeah i yeah i don't know if i've had that experience or very rarely have i had that experience but it happens to you all the time it does and so i was just like fuck it i'm gonna go ahead and just uh, finish this out it's gonna happen yeah now you got a great big warn for the podcast i cannot warn this movie enough what's funny is that i have passed it frequently on the dial and i know tj miller's in it and i know it was made a couple years ago mm. and i almost always think about stopping on it but i never have mm-hmm. <laughs> you made the right decision <laughs> yeah warn Warren, you got one? I got another recommend. Uh, This is a movie I've probably talked, we've talked about before on the uh, podcast, but it was uh, was, uh, time for the movie club thing again Uh for this group of friends that every month we go and uh, we watch movies together. 
I think and, it's so cool that you do that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's really this one guy who who's just recently had a kid, and he's like, man, I gotta have one day. Yeah, <laughs> where I love, I love that idea. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, where I where we watch movies and we discuss them. It was my turn to pick uh, this past uh, past uh, week that we did it, and uh, and uh, I didn't know it was my turn to pick until the day of. I was like, oh ah. shit! Is <laughs> emailed everybody. I was like, is it my turn? And they're like, yeah. And so I was like, you know, in this time, uh, why don't we do some political movies? Mm-hmm. And I, I gave them, I gave them a choice. I got I picked out four movies, and I gave them another three that we could have streamed, maybe. But we ended up watching the conversation, and we watched all the President Smith. Ah, can't and go wrong. Yeah, you can't go wrong. So I'm going to recommend the conversation. I w- obviously I would also recommend all the President's Men. Both of those movies are as good as it gets. Yeah. Um, and both of these movies uh, have audio at the center of yes <laughs> yeah well and, yeah. and that's uh that's one of the things in the conversation it came out the year nixon resigned wow and uh and that and the reason why he resigned was because of tapes yeah. like this and everything uh so it was considered i guess i don't know if it was considered prescient or just considered uh perfect for its time that it came out because you know it it sort of uh, lifted the veil on all of this kind of uh, surveillance that people could do. Mm-hmm. And uh, the conversation, Francis Ford Coppola made two movies in 1974. One was Godfather Part Two, yeah. and the other was The Conversation. Both <laughs> of them pretty were fucking good year. absolutely amazing <laughs> movies. Uh, Gene Hackman is at the center of this, uh, and he is, his character is so heartbreaking to watch. Mm-hmm. His his really only uh his really only like thing that it really interests him is is being able to come up with the best way to record a conversation that's his only way of life and he, yet he's a very private person someone who if the same thing were to happen to him oh. he he's he would be livid about it and rightfully so mm-hmm. uh it does bring up questions about what what do we have the right to hear and everything uh it starts off with this conversation i believe it's in san francisco um they're in union square and uh laverne and shirley cindy williams oh wow. yeah is uh ta- i believe it's frederick Fa- forrest that, she, that she's talking to and they're both having this conversation they have three points of of uh, uh angling their microphones one is a guy in the crowd uh following them another guy has got like a little thing pointed out of a window and i believe they have one other uh microphone set up somewhere and Basically, at first, this conversation is it's three different little tapes that he's he's working with. And some of this conversation is hard to hear. You can't hear everything. You don't know what's going on. in it. there's some very important things that are lost. But because he's such an expert, he's able to scrub it and Mm. be able to get it to down to, I mean, perfect audio Mm. and everything. It's scary. It's scary. (laughs) Um but meanwhile, this conversation, he's, he's a little bit haunted by, uh, something he did for a political, uh, figure in his past. It was 1968 something. And he, he knows that people died because of what tape he handed over. Ooh. And so now when any, any kind of discussion occurs where 
if he turns this in and the person and then and the person thinks of it the wrong way and they're just the right type or the wrong type of person he's worried that these two people having their conversation is they're they're going to die Mm. at the at the at the hands of this guy that he's going to hand the the tape over to uh gene hackman is in it uh i i guess it's somewhat spoilery although it's a 45 year old movie but Robert Duvall plays the guy who has hired him, mm. and Harrison Ford is the guy directly beneath Robert oh, Duvall. Shit, I forgot that. in this. Yeah, and uh, there's a moment where all three of them are in the frame, and you're like, "God, look at all this star power!" <laughs> yeah, awesome. what the f- is that? Harrison Ford's first movie? No, no, no. Uh, he no, he he had done a few others other than this. I believe American Graffiti came out the year before. I got gotcha. you. Uh, American Graffiti, I think, was '73 um and uh but yeah it it's amazing the 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 conversation that is taking place obviously he he hackman doesn't know exactly what this conversation is about uh he he just worries that by the end of it i mean he does get everything by the end of it he's just worried that whatever whatever it is they're talking about is is damning enough that this guy is going to kill them and so that's where he begets, gets personally involved into this case and everything. But meanwhile, there are sorts of all sorts of little side uh, side things that happen. He goes to a convention where they're selling the latest tech, and uh, and there's a there's a rival there who really wants to get together with him and make a lot of money, man. Because we you know if we get together, we're the best. And his name, I don't think uncoincidentally, is Moran or m-o-r-a-n and uh and uh and uh there's a point where they go to a party there's a at the convention he like just gives him a pen like hey have a pen puts it in puts it in his little shirt pocket or whatever and uh they go to this party back at hackman's place and it's this this place where he works is the most desolate empty it's a huge space he doesn't need this much space for what he does (laughs) it's just a bunch of columns and then his workspace and uh there's a point where the one of the women that works with uh the the rival is uh talking to him and he's and she's she's like come on open up say something and he says, man, it's the most, it's one of the most devastating dialogue. I was actually going to bring this up a three or four weeks ago when we did a uh, heart of the movie, I think. Oh. Um, and, uh, and, uh, it was, a, there's a scene where she says, open up to me. And he goes, what if you were dating a guy and you didn't know that he loved you, but he loves you, but you know, you never were around and he was never around and and uh he never opened up or anything uh, would you stay with that person it, and it's a little bit longer than that but that's the basic gist and she goes well if i didn't know that he loved me why would i stay around there's even a part early on where he's like with terry gar huh. terry gar is 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 basically like happy to see him he comes by and he doesn't open up he doesn't he's, he's like just doing his paranoid self and he's not saying anything and finally she's like you know, you don't have to come back if you mm. don't want to. And you just see the loneliness that he has mm. and everything. So when he's talking to this girl and saying this, this thing about this, he says, how would I know if he loved me? Why would I stay around? Mm. And, um, and so it's just a devastating character study. In addition to being just an absolutely phenomenal mystery thriller film mm-hmm. on top of that, I don't think the conversation still to this day gets enough credit or like, or like uh accolades Mm. 
It just always seems to be one of those great movies that people, ah, get around to that. It, it, go and watch the conversation. Yeah. This movie is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Maybe I caught this about a couple years ago or so. Mm -hmm. Maybe the most in-depth performance that Gene Hackman, that I've seen Gene Hackman do. Mm Because Gene Hackman has a Gene Hackman type of thing, even back you know, in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Uh, very authoritative, very, you know, that kind of thing. Right. This is much more vulnerable than yeah. I think oh. he's played since then, at least. It's yeah. it's it's devastating to watch, especially yeah. especially when you know of all the other Hackman uh, performances you've ever seen, because it's exactly what you're talking about, you know. He's always, you know, they're feeling their missiles, you know, all that type of thing. <laughs> he says that in every movie. Yeah, he says that in every movie. <laughs> he does. Uh, and he's always, he's always like that. But in this one, he's very in you know introspective yeah, yeah, yeah and paranoid and everything has one of the one of the best endings ever oh my god that ending is amazing yeah what's amazing is i've said a lot about this movie and i have not said everything about correct this movie. correct yeah it's fucking awesome <laughs> yeah this was uh this was coppola right yeah so did you ever see this is not my recommend but like did you ever see the spielberg documentary on hbo yes uh i caught a little bit of that at lunch a couple of days ago and it's amazing how tight all those guys were. Mm-hmm. De Palma and Spielberg and Lucas and Coppola. Like they were just, they weren't just like contemporaries. They would fucking like hang. There's all that foot. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. There's all this footage of them just like hanging out, pl- shooting pool and fucking drinking and stuff like that. Just, you know, hanging out with each other. I don't think you would see that. I mean, like you said in the, the previous thing, they're buddies out in Hollywood, but like legendary directors and filmmakers and stuff like that, you don't hear about that happening today yeah i think uh lucas worked with coppola for a while that's sort of how they they had a friendship and if you look at those movies that lucas made even star wars but even before star wars and lucas made american graffiti and thx 1138 Mm -hmm. uh they share stars a lot of times duvall's and thx 1138 of course duvall's in all the movies that coppola makes in the 70s uh harrison ford is yeah, back and yeah. forth between these because harrison ford shows up not only in conversation but in apocalypse now for just Ooh. a brief oh, period right. of time just God damn i forgot second. all these harrison yeah ford. yeah and uh and george lucas's uh, wife at the time i believe her name's marcia lucas was an editor and uh and uh, i think it was a uh, uh, Ra- uh easy riders raging bulls just talked about how what a like a horrible like I don't know if it was a horrible marriage that George Lucas and Marsha Lucas had, but Lucas Marsha Lucas would edit something a certain way or whatever, and and she'd show it, and apparently it was amazing or whatever, and George's like, eh, I wouldn't do it that way, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, it's yeah, yeah, it's funny they actually had factions within that because Lucas would be like, it was me and Francis, and then it was De Palma and Scorsese. Oh, Scorsese was the other one. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah. And then it was Steven well, kind of on uh, its own. And like uh, the during the casting for for Carrie, uh, which was going on at the same time as Star Wars. Yeah. So there was a lot of like. So there was a. I guess the casting for Carrie was funny because it was all these women who were who were going out for that part and like all these direct like spielberg came by apparently like hit on everybody yeah <laughs> and it ended, ended up getting amy irving because oh, yeah, she yeah. was married to her for yeah, a while yeah. uh but like just all that type of stuff no there's so on. much cross-pollination they showed a behind the scenes shot of scarface spielberg shot that scene where the 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 columbians are coming up 
and say hello to my little friend. Yeah, that yeah. Was Spielberg shot that shit. Wow. Yeah, he was behind the camera like, hey. yeah, yeah. That's I was like, funny. Fuck, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like that. That was that was just an awesome time for movies back then. And and these guys didn't appear to be rivals really like in like not really like, yeah. let's let's outdo one or maybe they did but it wasn't one of those like i'm gonna screw that guy no, it wasn't yeah exactly it, it, in fact uh was it lucas that said this it was one of them that said this it was like chefs are now where it's like we all get along we all love each other we all want everybody to do well but we also want to outdo each other mm-hmm. we want you to sit there and be blown away by my picture mm-hmm. and and then they're going to steal from it and then make their own thing and all that stuff that's a good you should totally check that out that's yeah right it's on my alley. list i flipped by it yesterday i was got maybe i'll watch search party and then be like, <laughs> yeah 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 uh all right everybody it's time to talk about better help better help better Help. That should be their, their song, the theme song. Better help. Yeah. Ooh, you know it's hard out here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, better help is awesome. Uh, we've talked about it before. Um, I've talked a little bit about my journey. I have never been to therapy before. I decided because of uh, because of this service to give it a shot, and it's been the, the on the front end. It's really good. Because all you do is sign up. You actually can go to betterhelp.com slash syncast, and that'll get you started. But you sign up, you answer a few questions, you get every like your information to them, and they match you to a therapist, a licensed therapist, of which they have a ton of. Uh, and on the front end, it was fantastic. I got matched really quickly. I got matched to an excellent, excellent therapist. What's up, Ann? And, uh, <laughs> and so I also mentioned that I was a bad patient for a while. I went to, did one session and then I just kind of like got busy and distracted and stuff like that and just, just didn't reach out. It's easy. It's as easy as humanly possible to reach out. Uh, but I got a gentle reminder from my therapist asking if everything was okay. Got back on the horse and it's, it's been outstanding. It's been it's been challenging but uh it's it's awesome it's awesome to think about things that you just don't think about on a day-to-day basis you know and starting from there and hopefully i'll be moving on to more like specifics and details and stuff like that but just kind of like taking stock of where everything is right now is a challenging process uh but i've got a very i've got a shepherd i've got a sherpa uh navigating i mean that you're 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 giggling but that's that's an apt description i think Mm. because everybody has exploratory thoughts in their own head Mm. and if you if you never go to therapy or share those out loud with somebody who is trained to help you explore those thoughts as opposed to drawing conclusions on your behalf yeah um you know i don't think you ever really get to fully explore them and that's to me is what therapy is 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 me exploring my own mind with the guidance of a professional who who knows how to get me there it's a wild thing if you've never done it before or if it's been a long time it's it's like it's like working out a muscle that you haven't worked out for ever right and it's 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 it seems intuitive that's the whole thing about therapy is that you know once you hear it out of somebody else's mouth a lot of times like it forces you to view it in a, in a new light and this can apply to anything really uh so it's been very 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 rewarding i think so far and and you know speaking of the the site itself at BetterHelp, it's the most user-friendly thing i've ever done uh there's a counseling room 
where you set up your appointment, you meet with your therapist and everything. They send you information, whatever information that you, you need. Like I've got issues with insomnia. Like she sent me some stuff on, you know, mindfulness and relaxation and stuff like that. Awesome. Uh, and meditation, meditation. I've never been able to meditate in a traditional sense, but there's different sorts of meditation that you can do that can slow you down a little bit. And, uh, and that's been really helpful. I've been using a lot of the features on the site that I typically wouldn't be like, not just like showing up, doing the video chat, scheduling the thing. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. I couldn't recommend it enough. Well, see, I don't think we need to say much more than that. Um, I like the fact that you're using the service and you can speak from a firsthand basis, uh, enthusiastically, earnestly, it's supposed to be challenging. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's where the growth comes in. And uh, I'm happy anytime I, I learn someone new is going to therapy. That's and, awesome. Uh, if that is you, dear listener, check out betterhelp.com slash syncast and yeah. you get... Well, you get 10% off uh, your first month. And that is a significant amount. Trust sure. me. Uh, this is an affordable service. Um, if you have issues with the affordability, let them know and they can walk you through all that stuff. So... Uh, definitely go to betterhelp.com slash syncast literally under or above our logo is where you start. And it really is an easy process to get started. Uh, if you're having any issues, uh, related to mental health, I encourage you to, to do it today. Don't wait any longer. It's, it's, it's super easy. Better help. All right. So I want to warn a movie. I think Chris knows of this movie. All right. I was excited at first cause I thought neither one of you would have ever heard of this movie. Uh, but someone on Twitter predicted that this was the one I was talking about. And uh, this movie had a premiere at Hollywood 27. Oh, oh I was on. there for that. What I figured was, you were. What was the, the tweet? Because I didn't know what this is. What, you, you hinted at the details of this movie. I just said it was a 2009 comedy with lots of stars in it that's terrible. Gotcha. Okay. And I saw a lot, lots of guesses. One guy guessed it right. It's a movie called The Goods. Live hard, sell hard. Mm -hmm. I've seen this movie. Yep. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> I really wanted to surprise you with this. Let's read off the cast, shall we? Mm -hmm. uh, Jeremy Piven, Ving Rames, James Brolin, David Kutchner, uh, <laughs> Catherine Hahn, Ed Helms, Tony Hale, Ken Jeon, Rob Riggle, uh, uh, Alan Thicke, um, <laughs> Craig Robinson, uh, Kristen Schaal, or Skull, I don't know how to say her it's name, Shaw. Matt Walsh. Uh, this fucker is stacked <laughs> and it's basically used cars mm -hmm. where Piven's playing this hotshot car salesman whose middle, whose who, middle name in quotes is the goods. Yeah. Um, and he's brought into Temecula because there's a struggling car dealership that's about to go under and he and his team come in and they're going to do a big weekend sale and sell all the cars and save the dealership. <laughs> I don't even know how you got one of these famous funny people to sign on to that bullshit. It's the same thing we were talking about with Search Party. It has <laughs> to be, right? Now, that I clicked through this. The guy that wrote and directed this doesn't appear to have an extensive resume. This is this is offensively unfunny. Yes, it is. Yep. It's <laughs> it's misogynistic. Every, th every single scene with Catherine Hahn is her trying to fuck whatever guy she's talking to. Mm -hmm. um, but there was one more. Now, this is this is just like that Rapture Palooza movie, which also had Craig Robinson, <laughs> where the 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 locust would go, suffer! Yeah. And I thought that was really funny. <laughs> and there's one moment in here, perhaps because I was so starved for a laugh, that I died laughing at. And it's the, the day the sale's about to start. And David Kutchner, Kutchner? Kutchner. Kutchner. Where do we know him from? He's uh, in a Anchorman. million things. Anchorman is the best. Uh, he's thing. on the ground and he yells up to Craig Robinson, who's the DJ they've hired from from the strip club. Um, 
and he says, hey, let's get, get some tunes jamming. This place is about to be hopping. How about some Charlie Daniels? <laughs> and Craig Robinson goes, sure, and starts playing a rap song. And it cuts in close to him, and he goes, nobody tells DJ Request what to play. <laughs> <laughs> Lost my shit. <laughs> Part of it's probably his delivery. <laughs> but uh, the un- unfunny movie. I didn't finish it. Uh, uh, very un-Jeremy of me. I stopped about two-thirds of the way through. Uh, and then I was like, something tells me. Yeah, it premiered at the Hollywood 27. And you were working there. I was there. I, I ran it. You So you saw the, the pre-screening of it? I or? saw the movie. Then uh, they... They basically, I think it was Paramount. Was it Paramount? I think it was Paramount. It was a uh, Paramount Vintage. It's like a sub Paramount. Yeah. yeah. They they uh, we had that theater. Theater twenty seven was closed all day, uh, so that Piven and others. I guess I don't know. I guess it was just Piven. Ed Helms was there. Yeah, Ed Helms also I think did an interview. So they did interviews in twenty in the auditorium twenty seven. When you say uh, they premiered, it pre- this was the first premiere? showing. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, I think the only reason why it was there was because they, because that's the way Hollywood 27 is, they couldn't get some other uh, uh, theater for uh, it. Well, so, this is a piece of shit, right? Yeah. And so the quote, I actually found an article from 2009 about the premiere from WSMV's website or something. And the Piven quote is, well, we wanted to have the premiere here because Nashville has been so supportive of the film. <laughs> And I was like, well, that's a great soundbite, but that doesn't mean anything. Everything about this movie takes place in California. Maybe you got a country star on the sound. You said said Charlie Daniels in that one line of dialogue. There's no connection. But uh, yeah, they they had. uh, Yeah, I believe uh, I remember the interviews being Piven and Helms. And I don't know if anybody else because I wasn't down downstairs during the all the, you know, the red carpet and all that. Um but I do know that we were told, don't go and talk to Jeremy, to Jeremy Piven. Piven. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, one of our managers, like in the middle of getting him like popcorn or something, was like, do you mind taking a picture with me? Oh, no. <laughs> and he took the picture. Okay. <laughs> but it, Piven does not look pleased. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that was a weird, that was very, that was a weird, uh, day. I mean, just, this movie just premiering at this theater i think before i worked there they had done the premiere for black dog yeah i remember that which is patrick swayze <laughs> yeah. and which makes were, sense because it was country, country music, music yeah. all over that movie um but this was the only other premiere i think we did a couple of regional premieres for indie films or something but th- mm. i remember when you told me about it i was like that's kind of a big deal jeremy piven is, is at the hollywood 27 for a premiere mm-hmm. not wanting to take pictures <laughs> yeah uh, <clears throat> anyway yeah terrible movie and uh I was really hoping I could surprise at least one of you. There was a, there's a thing you didn't get to the end of it, but there is a, um, there is a part at the very end where they, where it's Jordana Spiro who plays the, yeah. um, the love interest or whatever. But there's a, a line of dialogue while they're in the car that they sort of auto tune into a mute, into like some sort of musical thing. Oh. And it's like kind of fun. <laughs> it's yeah. not, it's not, it's not worth sitting through the whole movie for yeah. but it's one of those it's like oh that's kind of that's kind of fun why couldn't the rest of the movie be like this <laughs> like piven comes out and introduces himself to the the salespeople at this place he says there's two things you need to know about me there's hair on my balls and i sell cars mm. and th- this is presented as comedy mm. and it's, it's, not, it's not funny you said yeah. ed helms is in this ed helms is in this. so he did this in the hangover in the same year 
I guess. Yeah, I think so. So Piven is just coming off of the end of Entourage at this I point. Think it's probably near the it end. It is. Um, I'm trying to think. It's just funny it, to see like how yeah, Entourage, cross these two are Entourage in still has two seasons left. Okay, when yeah. this comes out, but he's starting to kind of wane while Helms is like on his way up and going to the office and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. because I I vaguely remember Chris telling me about this premiere, and I don't remember anything about the guy from the office. All I remember was Jeremy <laughs> Piven. So I don't think Ed Helms was even a household name at this point. The Hangover helped with that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Let's see. So the Hangover came out in the summer. And I think the goods may have come out later that summer, maybe. Uh, let's see. June 5th is Hangover. And August? August. Yeah, August 14th. So <laughs> feels so, like an August movie. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, yeah, everything about it screams that it came out in August. Uh, but, yeah, he had just done Hangover. So yeah. he's like two months into wow. the Hangover. Yeah. Now that movie blows ass. It does. Didn't make any money. I haven't seen Actually, it since 2009. Actually, it cost $10 million, It made $20 million. By the way. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> another another uh, aspect. This was directed by Neil Brennan, who was uh, who's a stand-up comic who was uh, with Dave Chappelle during Chappelle's show. Yeah, that's where I've heard that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's he actually acted in some of the bits, too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he's got a great stand-up act on, I believe, Netflix, where it's three different mics. It's called Three Mics or oh, something yeah, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really good, because there's, there's, I think, two of them are comedy things, and then one of them is, like, serious introspection. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it's really, really it's good. It's a very cool idea. He is funny. Like, I don't, I don't know if there was any particular skill that they got for him to get him to direct this movie. It's kind of like Louis C.K. doing... Uh, Pootie Tang. Pootie Tang. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, so <laughs> who knows what, where, how that all came about. So. Pootie Tang. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to <clears throat> reverse my warn Ooh. and give you something good that I hadn't seen since 2004. It's the remake of The Manchurian Candidate. Oh, Ooh. I didn't like this oh. movie. You didn't like this movie. I didn't, you didn't, I like didn't this either, movie? especially okay. because that first one is so good. First one's excellent. So Angela Lansbury plays the mani- mani- manipulative like senator yeah. mom. And that- Frank Sinatra is in it, and it's uh, it's great. He is the guy, the Denzel character, right? Like, yeah <laughs> i know it's weird to say denzel is actually the denzel frank sinatra a, character but he but plays yeah. the same character yeah. he's not playing the son uh i forget who plays the son in the original the original is fantastic 1962 i think yeah, something 62. like that um so the 2004 i remembered liking actually it's got denzel it's got meryl streep as the manipulative uh mom slash senator it's got leah schreiber as the mom uh the what she's his congress mom yes uh leah schreiber is the son uh, and Denzel is this this guy who appears very paranoid. Uh, John Voight is hilariously cast as a Democratic vice president nominee. Oh my by god! <laughs> but uh, so it's got like a pedigree. It's got a lot of great actors in it. You know, led by Denzel and Meryl Streep. Uh, Vera Farmiga actually plays John Voight's daughter in this movie too. God, she's pretty. Mm-hmm. Just driving around in John Voight's car. <laughs> so. It, it starts off, I forgot the details, because it, it's been since then, since I saw it, and I saw the original right after that. Uh, so I forgot the details, and it, it the movie starts by presenting Denzel's character as being very, just paranoid. Like, he doesn't know what reality is, uh, he looks like he's a little overly aggressive, and he looks like he's just kind of like, overste- like he's, he's playing the crazy guy, he's playing... Uh, Robert De Niro in uh, Cape Fear or The Fan or something like that. Mm. Any Robert De Niro character in the the 90s. <laughs> um, and it tur- the, the whole thing kind of 
materializes out of this morass of what's real and what's not in a very cool way. Even when it starts to reveal itself, it's done in a way where you're like, did that actually happen? Or is dude like making this up as he, as he goes along. And when it finally reveals itself at the end, it's extremely satisfying. This is a very well-made movie and it's very well acted. In fact, at the beginning, this is Jonathan Demi actually mm-hmm. did it. Um, at the beginning, Meryl Streep comes in in this flurry of acting and she's like, Oh, and my dear son, you need to get out. She's got a British accent. Mm-hmm. She, you got to get out there and run for the vice presidency. And so, I was like, God damn it. This is going to be like a very overacted type of performance. And it turns out to be in the service of the greater story. And it's mesmerizing. Yes, the original is qualitatively better. But this is a really, really, really good movie. Hmm. I would take a couple reallys out of that sentence. Do you re- do you remember it very well? Or? I saw it like six months ago. Okay. I remember thinking Homeland Season 1 did it better. Well, this was long before <laughs> But it's very similar to maybe Homeland ripped it off. Um, I don't remember thinking it was bad. I will give you that. I just remember thinking it was there. Homeland? Where do you get Homeland? The only... Th- Homeland? Did you see? Did you see Homeland? I saw Homeland. Playoffs. Homeland. There's that scene <laughs> at the, in the end of the first season. He wears that vest into the bomb shelter because yeah. he's supposed to blow up the politician. Yeah, nah. It's exactly the same thing. No, it's not. It's exact same thing. It's not exactly same thing. What what it is, and it's almost. Well, it's not really like the conversation, but there's a little bit of parallel in that he once he figures out what's going on, and it it does. I'll spoil it, I guess. It, it does turn out to where Denzel is Denzel. Denzel's character is right about his situation. Mm-hmm. But the conspiracy goes up to the tippy top of everything. There's nowhere he can go. The only place that he could go, it, they, they take that person out. So it's like the extreme of paranoia where you know you're right or you're pretty sure you're right, but you're the only person that knows this. Mm. And so there's nowhere to turn. It sounds like a cliche, but it's presented very, very well, I think. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna trash you too much. I only saw it the one time, and that was several months ago. Uh, Homeland. And I love Denzel. You talking about Homeland? Homeland was awesome for Homeland a season. Homeland was awesome. It has nothing to do with the fucking it's mainstream. The same, it's the same Canada. fucking story. Denzel puts on a bomb vest and goes into the shelter, and he's supposed to blow up the center, and he, at, at the last minute, he doesn't have to oh do it. Oh my god, that's a tense moment in Homeland, by the way. That's it fucking sure is. amazing. That first season's. Yeah, Demi is. would be another good guy to go through someday. Uh, I'll actually just do it now. Um, uh, and he started with Roger Corman. Like the, a lot mm. of the movies he did was Roger Corman. Caged Heat was like his first. Is his first. That was dr- Jonathan Demi. Was his first uh, the pr- girl co- prison thing. Yeah. No and shit. so he did a bunch of these type of Roger Corman stuff, and then uh, he started getting into respectability or whatever you want to call it with Melvin and Howard, which got Mary Steenburgen and an, uh, an Oscar. Um, really? Yeah. And, uh, and so Melvin and Howard was that. And then in Swing Shift, I don't know that one, Stop Making Sense. Oh, uh, yeah. He, he did yeah. a bunch of Talking Head stuff. Um, and then, uh, then it goes to, because he did a lot of music video stuff, Something Wild, um, uh, Swimming to Cambodia, Married to the Mob, Oh, he did that? That's yeah. a funny movie. I like uh, that movie. Obviously, The Silence of the Lambs was his mm-hmm. his apex. Did he get an Oscar for that? I believe he did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia was following a couple uh, years after yeah. that. 
then he did uh, Beloved. And see, this is where Demi starts kind of going, mm, you know, mm. it's it, it's like nothing. Nothing's like a guarantee with him after a while. It's uh, he, he's done a lot of Bruce Springsteen Beloved. stuff. Is that the Beethoven one? No, it's, no, uh, that's but, Immortal that's Beloved. Beloved. <laughs> Be- Beloved is the one that has Tandy Newton and uh, Oprah Winfrey. Oh, OK. Yeah. Right. I like that uh, movie. And uh, I, I actually never saw it. Right. I just heard, I just heard it was just disappointing or whatever. So I never, I never saw it. Yeah, it's not great. Um, the like truth it. about Charlie, which was that remake with mm. Mark Wahlberg. Oh, <laughs> also Tandy Newton was in that. Uh, the agronomist, uh, the Manchurian Candidate, um, and then Rachel getting married. Oh, that which him. also is exactly like the first season of Homeland. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel getting married is uh, Anne Hathaway, right? Yeah, yeah. I li- really like that movie. I always get Rachel getting married mixed up with the Katie Holmes Thanksgiving movie, Pieces of April. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I do. Um, <laughs> no, I see why you do. Both brunettes that are train wrecks, and, and then, their families are showing up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he did that Ricky and the Flash movie with Meryl Streep. She's still alive. He likes working with Streep. No, he he died a couple years ago. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. I didn't realize he was. It was that recent. Esophageal cancer, Ooh, heart suck. heart disease. Does he was he related to, a movie is that he, he made. is he related to Ted Demi? Yes, that's what I thought. Yeah, and Ted Demi obviously he died early too. He I think he died because of drug overdose. Uh, yeah, um, no, this is a, this is a good movie. No, yeah, they were either remember? brothers or they were cousins. I can't remember which one it was. Cousin brothers, yeah. cousin brothers. Yeah, cousins, Carruthers, Buzzins, Carruthers. <laughs> Yeah, that's how they got that name. And that's how the name Carruthers came up. So uh, we got some questions and answers. Let's do it. Some Q's and A's. Yes. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Okay, first question. Did you see that Disney Plus, the new streaming service from Disney, is only going up to PG-13 content on its main platform? And that if you want more, quote, adult fare on the service, you'd have to bundle it with an ad-supported version of Hulu. Mm-hmm. Does this affect the, your perception of the service in any way? And, or, does it make it less of a hugely serious threat to Netflix since they have to keep a governor's cap on their primary content, even if they're Disney? Hmm. I don't know if that's true, really. They have to keep a cap on their best Ratings content. Ratings-wise. Oh, okay. Um, uh, but... Uh, yeah, I, I I think I understand why, right? You Disney Plus is going to be packaged to families. Yes. And they don't want kids wandering around and, you know, it's like, oh, Frozen and the Adventures in the Antarctic or something like that. And and just below that is frozen bondage adventures you know <laughs> something at whatever i'm sure that they're not going into porn or cum anything buns like three yeah come buns three yeah <laughs> i want i want your cock <laughs> come on eileen <laughs> um, <laughs> i was just watching the heartbreak kid by the way that's a fucking remake did you know yeah, that? of course it is. yeah uh, when they have sex, it always kills me. Like, <laughs> cock, cock me, Eddie. Cock, cock me. And then she says, fuck me, fuck me like a black man. Oh, no. <laughs> he ends up rocking in the corner in a chair. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it makes it makes sense to me because although if Netflix can have a uh you know a parental control thing mm-hmm. i don't know why they can't yeah 
why don't you just make it where like, okay, here's all the, uh, the content PG and down G and down PG 13 and down. And that's what you give your kid. And then when it comes to your own account, you can watch and you know, that R rated stuff isn't going to be like crazy probably. Sure. So I mean, I think you want to know what I think this means. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be any more R rated Deadpool. Why would Mm. Disney make a Deadpool movie? They know for a fact they can't put on their own service, which they've capped at PG 13. I don't, I don't like that answer. But I mean, I, that may be has right, to but, be what it but means. I don't like that answer. Uh, now, granted, if I don't know what it means when the, the we're just going by the question writer here, but when it says that who is Barrett S from uh, Nashville, by the way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, um, I thought it was actually somebody wrote it in. You cheater! <laughs> somebody at home right now going, "I wrote a question <laughs> about Peter Rabbit, and you chose this instead." Um, <clears throat> ad- adult content bundled with an ad-supported version of Hulu. I don't know what that means. If it means, it may very well mean a parental guidance thing on Disney Plus, but you just also, they want to make you pay for Hulu at the same time. It sounds like they're saying anything over PG-13 that comes out of Disney will be put on Hulu. Correct. So Because they, that uh, tells they essentially me, own Hulu. I, I don't think they're going to make an R-rated Deadpool. What, why, why couldn't they then come out with that on the R-rated stuff that you can get with Hulu? Because, well, I guess my thinking would be, Anything that they put out that is so adult it has to go on Hulu is not part of the Disney brand. Right. So I don't even know why they would make it in the first place. Okay. Look at look at Netflix with that show about masturbating and sex and my mom's a teacher. Well, sex you wa- education? You watched it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or the, the cartoon that's all sexy and horny. Big mouth. And then you got HBO with Euphoria. What Disney is saying is we're never going to make that shit. Mm-hmm. And so it will give Netflix and HBO and anyone else that wants to make that edgy shit the ability to market on it. But, but it also gives Disney the ability to market on, hey, your your nine year old is never going to see a tit. But I don't know mm-hmm. what your what you want. <laughs> I don't know why your plans to make a Deadpool would have anything to do with the service. Like you would come out, obviously, you'd come out with that as a movie first, and you'd probably make your movie in theaters. Uh, first, you wouldn't come out with Deadpool just on a streaming service. No, but but as I understand it, eventually all Disney everything will only be available on Disney Plus. Like I don't think Disney's going to make an R-rated Deadpool and then give Netflix the rights to air it. No, but so the the, the so this Disney Plus is shaping everything they do from here forward. I feel like because that is the golden honeypot no they wouldn't give it to netflix but they'd just give it to the hulu thing and that would be fine by them i think maybe maybe i, I mean well, we're, we're speculating yeah well we're speculating in the fact that we're assuming that they will continue to release in theaters rather than take the netflix model and either do a limited run or so, just publish to netflix so wait th- so that there's rumor that they're not even going to have stuff in theaters anymore no no but he's speculating that that they may make movies moving forward oh, well they're definitely, that are only intended to be on the service well for sure they they've already we've already seen trailers for those those are there's trailers for all sorts of disney movies mm. that are coming out uh on that service um that's for sure happening uh but I don't know if that if just because they can't put Deadpool on Disney Plus, they wouldn't make it R-rated. Now, it makes it more likely that they would make it PG-13 because they would want to have that on the service. But uh yeah, I don't I don't know why I don't know why you would be like, 
we really want to make this awesome R-rated Deadpool movie, but now it was gonna if it's gonna be on that Hulu bundled service. No, I mean I feel like again I'm I'm reading a lot into this and mm. guessing on a lot of their intentions, but I almost feel like this is Disney saying we are not going to be an R-rated company. It it is exactly they they literally said that. Yeah. Well, I that's mean, why they that's why they created Touchstone Pictures back in the day. <laughs> that's why they made that's why they, that's where they put all their R-rated stuff was on Touchstone. Yeah. I mean, literally they're saying that this is our brand. We're going to be uh PG-13 and lower. By the way, Apple Plus TV is doing the same thing. They're making it essentially a network thing. They're not going to go into R-rated what? as of now. They're not going to go if into R-rated. If that show content. with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell is PG-rated, it is. At least that's what they're saying. I haven't seen it, obviously, but that's what—that's how they're marketing this. Anything that would be shown on net uh, on network television is kind of the content that we're looking for. Cripes. Yep. Did you see De Niro on CNN drop the f bomb twice? No. They asked him about Fox News criticizing him, and he goes, "Fuck him." <laughs> and then he goes, "Fuck him." And the host goes, "Well, we're a cable station, so that's not a violation of the FCC, but it is still Sunday morning, sir." That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. De Niro probably could could give two fucks, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I just see this as as being it, being a bet. Now it's Disney, so it, it's not like it's a huge bet, but they're saying. We're going to cap this as far as content goes. We are not going to be mature content. We're not going to be, quote, adult content. We're going to have a limit of what we're going to show. That matches, though, historically, the content they've been putting out under the Dis- Disney brand for 50 years. They rarely right, but ever. Now it covers Marvel and it covers, it does now. It covers everything. They but rarely. historically, Disney has not made anything R-rated. Yeah, they rarely ever come out with anything But I, that, I think the speculation is now they have Deadpool. Now they have Wolverine. We just had Logan. Mm-hmm. I think comic book fans might be hoping they keep some of that stuff edgy. And I'm saying I feel like this announcement maybe hints that might not be the case. Well, I also think that it is now... And, I, you know, we're talking about two behemoths and we're talking Disney is its own behemoth. But I think it's a little bit less of a threat to Netflix as a whole because Netflix has anything, you know, basically like, you know, we can do we do what we want. Right. Uh, and Disney is saying there are certain things that we won't do. And so if you want something like, I don't know, Big Mouth or you want something like sex education or what, you know, bright, that's a bad example. Mm-hmm. There's only one place that you can go go for it. You're not going to go to Apple Plus TV. You're not going to go to Disney. You know, you're probably going to go to Netflix. You know how Black Mirror is an example. The Hallmark Channel puts out like 50 original Christmas movies every year. Yeah, we I know some. We all know someone that may or may not have written a couple of these. No. And I was having lunch with this person, joking. I said, I'm going to write my own Hallmark Christmas movie. And he's like, All right. And I was like, Recovering alcoholic. And he goes, Stop right there. That's too hard. That's too far for them. Wow. Like the, the standards at the Hallmark Channel are are even tighter than Disney. Like you can't even have a recovering. <laughs> I was going to have a recovering alcoholic Santa, and he was like, "Stop right there." Wow, that would never clear. It has to be like stressed out executive or something. It, it like had, that. You can't go. Can't go to the alcohol route. He's <laughs> like, "Take that shit to Lifetime." But the Hallmark movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, so I think it means is that creators who are who are brewing edgy content just won't pitch it to Disney Plus or Apple minus whatever it's called (laughs) they'll go to the netflix and the hbo's and i think i don't think it means as much as you seem to think it does about the overall battle between streaming giants uh i think it just 
creates uh, more clear destinations for types of content. Yeah, no, I I think this bodes well overall for the long-term viability of Netflix. I though. agree, because when, they can push into that area. Yeah. When you have Marvel, Star Wars, and Pixar, what do you care if there's any R-rated content? Because that's what's in the top ten every year. That's what year. they're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and obviously so. I, 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 that's the way I feel about it. And like, and, and your R rated stuff, you, you, you know, people really want that stuff. They can go to this bundled thing. I do wonder though, I have, I have Hulu. I, I hardly ever go to it. Yeah, so I'm like neither. basically just paying for it for no reason. But, uh, I do wonder cause you said it's an ad supported. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the Hulu that basically bought out the ads mm-hmm. so i'm wondering can i still get the i think you would yeah, yeah. i think what, when they say the ad supported version that's the lowest tier they can force you to have to bundle well yeah i don't know exactly what the bundle is but as as now as marketed it's like eight dollars for the disney plus on its own so you could actually just get disney plus on its own mm-hmm. and then have your hulu in a different space the other aspect of that bundle is espn plus if anybody's interested in that mm-hmm. uh but that's like the 1399 uh model uh, the other thing that we were talking about actually before uh, the podcast is that they're streaming in 4K now. And there is a Netflix option, which I didn't know existed, where you can stream in 4K. Hmm. Uh, but it's like $17 a month. Uh, Disney Plus apparently will be available in, hmm. in 4K. Hmm. But yeah, so uh, I think if you go with the bundle that they're marketing right now, it has to be the ad-supported Hulu. But in that case, you would just get a la carte Disney Plus. I watched They Shall Not Grow Old on Hulu. Oh, yeah? No, I watched, no, I watched Apollo 11 on Hulu. Oh, yeah? And the reason, the only reason I go to Hulu with any regularity is that for now it has Seinfeld. So. Yeah, and, uh, and I watched, uh, the first season of, um, The Good Place? No, uh, I, although I, I think I started watching it there, but no, it was The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched the first season of that there i i still haven't gotten beyond that it was a good show it's just mm. not it's just, i just haven't had time uh but um but uh other than that yeah it's it's been like occasionally i'll go and like, oh i want to see that rick and morty or whatever yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. what i'll i'll use it for so that definitely not worth the money i'm putting into it yeah but, but whatever you yeah, know it's yeah, there yeah. it's there mm. and you can see mature content oh yeah and i saw that i saw that when i was using uh my uh oculus one thing uh the, 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 the saw that keanu reeves movie that was so awful oh knock knock no uh <laughs> that movie's awful too although i think i did i did see knock knock on that but i saw some other keanu reeves movie that also had anna de Armas in it and i i warned it on this on this yeah, podcast i, remember you talking I don't about remember what it's called it was one of those i think it had one of those one name like like blends into everything else type of, oh so shitty <laughs> Uh, you want to do another question? Yeah, let's do it. From an actual listener? From an actual listener. Uh, which actor slash actress do you guys think won an Oscar but for the wrong film? Mm. Uh, this is a very good example. For example, I always thought that Leonardo DiCaprio should have won the Oscar for The Wolf of Wall Street or Django Unchained and not for... This person says the Renovant. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, switch the two letters there. The Revenant. The Revenant. Yeah. Um, uh, so... I I put Jack Nicholson here. Now he's won three times. Mm. He's won for Terms of Endearment. He's won for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and he won for uh, As Good as It Gets. I would I would be willing to trade both his Terms of Endearment Oscar and his As Good as It Gets Oscar 
for at least a nomination for the pledge the pledge a movie nobody talks about nobody talks about it's actually becomes a, a weird like worn out of this question because the pledge is a movie that nobody has ever seen i don't think except me and this other guy hollywood 27 <laughs> and it came out in i believe january of 2001 somewhere yeah, around there i think we've seen it right which one the pledge nope well oh. no yes i did yeah. I, I i went through a phase where i watched that one but i always get it confused with the crossing guard yeah yeah but yeah, and, yeah. so sean penn directed the pledge uh. and and jack nicholson just like we were talking about with hackman in the conversation where he's completely different nicholson has his thing that he does and everything and he always wins oscars for it like as he did and as good as it gets mm-hmm. but in the pledge he's a completely different character it's almost like he's like all right sean i'm gonna do this different for you yep. you know and he does a different thing in the pledge he's uh more vulnerable in that he's not like doing all this crazy jackisms mm-hmm. and everything that movie is devastating he is unbelievable in it he should have gotten nominated for it unfortunately nobody saw the movie it didn't make any money and i think to this day still people haven't seen that thing. yeah yeah so and plus i mean he got nominated for a few good men and he got it beat by somebody from Unforgiven, right? It would have been Hackman. Hackman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I always thought that's ridiculous. Now, I know it's apples and oranges, and Hackman was fantastic. In and Nicholson was in A Few Good Men for like 10 to 15 minutes, maybe. Yeah, but he's the, he's the most rememberable. Yeah, sure. Rememberable? Sure. Um. I, my favorite part of A Few Good Men is when Demi Moore gets mad at Viggo Mortensen and says, suck my dick. <laughs> the fuck? That's G.I. Jane. I just mixed it up with two movies. <laughs> that was Ridley Scott. <laughs> did, you, did, did you ever see G.I. Jane? I did see yeah. it's not. It's not a bad little movie. <laughs> it's not, actually. It's pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah that's a good one. I, yeah, I, I want to rewatch The Pledge now. Yeah. Because like you... I get that, and uh, isn't it Blood and Wine, too, came out around that? Yeah. yeah. I can't remember. Like, I don't know. if Sean Penn may have done one or both of those. I think we've discussed this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think he did both of them, but he he did one or the other, maybe. <laughs> the, the Crossing Pledge and Wine. <laughs> yes. Crossing Guard was Sean Penn. Uh, and uh, Blood and Wine, I think, was um, like maybe... Tony Scott. No, it was Bob Ravelson. Yes. Who he who he, well he's done a bunch of stuff with Bob Ravelson five easy pieces, oh yeah oh yeah yeah oh, wow. so what do you think Oscars for the wrong movie I wrote down Denzel he won for Training Day but he deserved a Best Actor way before that he did win Best Supporting I think for Glory he's never that's the only Best Lead Actor that, that he's, he's ever won. won yeah it's so ridiculous I feel like he's got a half dozen performances that are worthy I didn't pick one. Um, well, I would put uh, Malcolm X on that. That's got to um, be up there. In- uh, inside Man, even. I also think in Training Day that Ethan Hawke's character is borderline deserving of poor bastard status. Oh, my God. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and then I also wrote down Gary Oldman 
in Darkest Hour, don't hit me. I just watched this movie two days ago. He's fantastic in it. The yeah. problem is he was awards worthy fantastic for 25 years before he won that one. And it's frustrating to me because that's how the Oscars work. They, they go, Oh, we've been ignoring this guy for so long. Here's a good performance that's not quite as great, but the field is dim this year. So we'll give it to him as like a makeup thing. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. really annoying. Yeah. Same with like the, I think even the question asker mentions Leo and the Revenant mm-hmm. versus Wolf of Wall Street or something he'd done before that. It just feels like a pattern. Makeup Oscars. It's like umps in baseball giving a makeup call after they fuck up one. Yeah. yeah it yeah. happens. Mm-hmm. Was he even nominated for Wolf of Wall Street? Who? Mm. Uh, DiCaprio? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think. Uh. God, that's a movie that I just rewatched. Yeah. That movie fucking I, rules, I man. I often put that in as background it's when perfect. I'm doing other things. It's perfect, man. Uh, it, it's, it's a movie worthy of actually watching, but like, it's one of those that's so episodic that it, you can just like. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, he did get nominated for that, as did Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill got nominated. Mm-hmm. Wow. For the second time. Man's got range, that Jonah Hill. I don't, I don't know. Let's not go that far. Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, he's playing the same guy in Moneyball that he plays in Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. No, he's... What? That's like comparing Homeland to the Manchurian Candidate. They're the exact yeah, same thing. I would disagree. My, my, I actually like, haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street since it came yeah, out. Yeah, Money, Moneyball, he's such a nerd, uh, introspective nerd. Yeah, and then yeah, Wolf yeah. of Wall Street, he's such an outrageously fucked up. <laughs> he's an asshole. Of, yeah, he's such an asshole. <laughs> All right, I need to watch that you one You totally need to watch that movie I, But again. I'm still I'm not sure that those two sh- movies... He pulls his dick out. Mean, yes, he does. <laughs> mean, is it covered in cocaine? Like, I don't know uh, if it's covered in cocaine. No, but he's jacking it. Yeah. Jer- I, that was the combination between jacking it and jerking it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> jerking, jerking it. it. I really need to watch this movie. I've only seen it the one time. <laughs> a, uh, we saw it together. They see yeah. Margot Robbie come in and they're like, they're like, I'd fuck her without a condom on. And they're like, I'd fuck her if she had AIDS. <laughs> this movie is ripe for you to watch 25 times. Oh, yeah. Even though it's super long. It's like three hours long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my easy answer for this is Al Pacino because he's only got the one win for Sin of a Woman. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he'd been nominated like eight times. It, both of the Godfathers, not the third. I mean, he's he's not the problem with the third. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of the Godfathers. Dog Day Afternoon is probably his best performance ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's insane. I just watched Serpico for the first time like a few weeks ago what do you think well i stupidly had expected an action movie because oh yeah Serpico. it sounds like a cop who's in the midnight alley shooting people but it's much more about him trying to expose police corruption and getting shut down at every turn i thought he was great it was based on a real guy too and he's he's like a hung out with that dude that real serpico guy for and that guy I would I would love to like talk to that dude yeah. for a while. I think he's still alive. The uh, really? original Serpico. Wow. Yeah, but I mean, he's terrific. Just in that talking about like how much integrity this dude has is insane. Yeah, and you know, say what you will about Scarface, he he goes for it in Scarface, and I think I love it. I know you guys don't. Uh, Donnie Brasco, how does he not get? He may have gotten nominated well, see, for that. Donnie Brasco. Is what we've been talking about. The running theme today is that is his subdued opposite end of the spectrum performance because he's usually a shouter yeah and in this one he's broken he's yeah. old he's worn down he's tired he doesn't have it anymore but he wants to yeah yeah and sin of a woman is not a bad movie it gets a bad rap and he's great in it it's overly sentimental and it's overly kind of like marshmallowy 
but but he's great. But he's definitely that's not his Oscar. I don't think mm. he should have won much longer before and maybe since mm-hmm. uh, after that. And the other one that was a little bit surprising is Audrey Hepburn only won one Academy Award. Mm-hmm. It was for Roman Holiday v- fairly early in her career. It's her first movie. Yeah, and I've seen Roman Holiday fairly recently, like in the last year or so. It's got Gregory Peck in it. Have you seen Roman Holiday? Yeah. I haven't seen it in forever, though. It's a very product of its time. Like Anybody that watches that from the present day it's in it's a product of its time it's a very 50s you know romantic comedy breezy and really nothing to it she's like the princess of a foreign country that you know gets lost in in uh, in rome mm-hmm. there's nothing really there that she's like fine. first daughter yeah exactly <laughs> she's, and a first season she's of fine. yes <laughs> but it's it nothing more seinfeld than homeland <laughs> it's nothing like breakfast at tiffany's like holly mm. go lightly is is this Fully realized character. Now, this was in the 60s, 63, 64-ish. Roman Holiday? No, I'm talking about Breakfast at Oh, Tiffany's. Breakfast at Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and she's independent. She's an independent woman. Like, she's not like a, a, a manic pixie dream girl. Well, I mean, you could you could say that she is, but she's also on her own bullshit. Like, she does what she wants to. She lives her own life. She lives by herself. She's not attached to anything. That's why she calls the cat cat. You've seen Breakfast at Tiffany's. No. Um, this is the one that she should have that she should have won for, and and not Roman Holiday. Uh, uh, she's she's perfectly fine in Roman Holiday, but she's excellent in Breakfast. My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady is very very good too. I haven't seen that in a long time. I'm wondering if that's a product of its time too. It's also like six hours long. Like I would not recommend <laughs> going back really to long. it just because you'll be watching it and they'll get to the horse race scene. And you'll be like, is this fucking shit? <laughs> Yeah, so Roman Holiday wasn't her first movie, but I think it was her first starring role, because if you look at the stuff that's before this, I don't think she's featured at all, But uh, and uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's was 1961. Nice. 61. Yeah, no, that's a that's a delightful movie. It's got uh, Papard uh, from George Papard. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's great in that. That's mm-hmm. not true. She hooked up with George Papard. I mean, Fred. Fred's gay, George. Remember that episode of Seinfeld? Mr. Seinfeld oh, trivia winner. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he cheats by watching the... You keep these weird non-sequiturs that are out of context. <laughs> I can't keep up. What are some movies that you think came out at the wrong time? Whether that be competition at the box office, or maybe it would have done better in a different year or season. This is, I think, a very original question it that is. I don't think we've got before. Uh, for me, it's Cinderella Man. Cinderella uh, Man. Uh, Cinderella Man is one of Ron Howard's best movies. Uh, I would put it right under Apollo 13. And just um, above the paper. And just above the paper. <laughs> Sadly, you can make an argument for that. I like you the might paper. be able to. Yeah. <laughs> Howard's made a lot of like mildly enjoyable <laughs> movies. Uh, but Cinderella Man came out in 2005. It came out in the summer of 2005. Yeah, that's weird. It's a boxing movie, and Million Dollar Baby had just won the Oscar. Mm. Uh, so Million Dollar Baby, I guess February, March, won the Oscar for for 2004, and then just four or five months later, Cinderella Man comes out in the summer. It's not a summer movie no. at all. And um, it would have benefited by coming out in October, November during Oscar season, uh, I think Paul Giamatti might have gotten a better shot at getting an Oscar nomination for that. I love it. This might be. Is this the one that he got his nomination for? It might have been. 
Um, he was nominated for that Harvey Picard thing, right? No. no. He wasn't? No. American Splendor? No. That's, that's why it's so ridiculous about Paul Giamatti is that, uh, yeah, he was nominated for this. Mm. He has not been nominated for anything else. Not even Sideways. No, not even Sideways. uh, Not Sideways, not American Splendor. He's only been nominated one time. Um, So, uh, yeah, it came out in 2005. And so I looked at it. This movie came out. uh, It was uh, Universal Pictures came out with Cinderella Man. So I looked at their October and their November schedule in 2005 and December as well. And on October 7th, they came out with Two for the Money. (laughs) (laughs) that's second mention of two for the money in the last like month it is it is they could have come out with it there two for the money is way more a summer movie than totally then october 21st doom came out they could have come out with doom i mean in the summer as well yes they could um but they came out with it at october 21st i guess because doom horror halloween i guess i don't know Uh, then a movie that uh, on October 28th with Uma Thurman, Meryl Streep called Prime, which I think I saw. I, I saw that. For sure saw because it was 2005. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember anything about it. I don't either. Uh, they could have come out with it then. Now, the only only two release dates that I I figure they probably couldn't have come out with this. November 4th was Jarhead. I'm assuming oh, yeah. they had that had high hopes for Jarhead. And then December 14th was King Kong. Of course, you're going to come out yeah. with your blockbuster December 14th. But one of those October release dates, move one of those other things to summer. Maybe they had some other thing going on that we don't know about. I don't know. But that movie should have been out during Oscar season. And it would have done way better. It only made $62 million here. And because it's, a, it's, because it's an American boxer that nobody gives a shit about worldwide, it only made like $100 million worldwide. Mm. So um, I feel like that would have done a lot better, would have had a, had a you know, would have uh, been better prepared, better, better, uh, marketed if it had come out then russell crow russell, russell crow renee zellweggs yeah zellweggs. i call her zellweggs that's what you call her this is paul giamatti has that part where he's like he's like oh my jesus mary and joseph oh jesus oh my god mary he's like he's like did i say jesus <laughs> <laughs> that's after he comes in he does that he has that huge fight and he blows this dude away basically and they come back and and Paul Giamatti comes walking in. i always think about this movie because one of the fights he has he fights max bear yes and i always think about this movie when i'm watching quiz show because he's going through that no, no, no max bear was defeated by because there's that <laughs> yeah, yeah. boxing question yeah, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on 21 and he says max bear anyway. yeah yeah uh yeah. book smart is my best answer yeah this movie came yeah. out at the end of may and i'm almost wide Which and i'm is... almost sure that is because the movie is about school ending and the last day of school before summer and that is the end of may but mm. it's also the release date that studios use because it's after memorial day where they're almost dumping it uh it's hard to believe that there are spots in the summer where you're dumping Mm. and that's one late may is a dump uh week it's almost like september although it's it's more it's better positioned Mm. than september is yeah i just i mean it's I haven't heard anybody who's seen it say bad things about it. No. Uh, it's great. It didn't make any money. I saw some famous Hollywood types bemoaning the fact that nobody went to see it. But you put it out in summer blockbuster territory. You needed to find a nice... I don't even care what month of the year. You just needed to find a nice empty weekend missing a comedy. 
and promote the shit. Yeah. Nobody's well, going to not enjoy that movie if they watch it in November and go, wait, school got out back in May. <laughs> and I think uh, Superbad, which is the movie that it's constantly compared to, came out in July or August. August 17th. I just looked that up. Yeah. Actually. And uh, and uh, it came out. That was 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2007. So uh, you would think that following that model would have been. I, I know that that Good Boys bullshit came out in August, and maybe that's the reason why it wasn't positioned where it was. But if you're gonna if you're gonna avoid that, you might as well just go ahead and come out with this in the fall, some other some other spot. I agree with you. I think Booksmart got destroyed by coming out in mm-hmm, May, mm-hmm. Uh, and and it it could have stood it could have stood to be better positioned for sure. Yeah, you know what's going on in the fall? School. Yeah. And it may remind you that you want to go see this movie about school. Well, shit, dude. I mean, Euphoria aired all throughout the summer, and that was about school. And yeah. Big dances. And <laughs> I mean, I can't think of any other reason why, except that May, the end last week of May is when most people are getting out of school and they want it to be timely. Yeah. I mean, I get that you don't put a Christmas movie out in May. Mm-hmm. You put it out at Christmas because people are thinking Christmas, but I don't think that applies to like all of human events. I just, I, I don't, I, I think that's probably part of it, but I don't think that's the only reason why they came out with it in late May. I think it's um, another part of it is they thought that was the best spot that they could find for some reason. Doesn't make sense, but maybe the, because of all the Avengers Endgame stuff, that's, mm. you know, you're, you're trying to avoid that in some way, but you could have come out with this in April. Probably it would have been would have been better. That's what uh, movies like Fast and the Furious have done in, mm-hmm. the, in the past uh, to get a head start on the summer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree with you totally. This should have been should have been moved somewhere else. Uh, it will find it will find its audience though. I it think. will eventually. It's a good enough film. I think that's the case. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll tell you a Christmas movie that came out in the summer is Eyes Wide Shut. Oh yeah, July of nineteen ninety nine. Because if the set, if the incidental setting of the movie is Christmas, then it must be a Christmas movie. Says yep. people who are wrong. Yep. I just narrated that scene in the last week or yeah, so. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote that. One. <laughs> it's interesting. I wonder if there would have been. I wonder if it came out in award season. If it would have gotten a little more consideration. It came out in the summer. It came out in July of nineteen ninety nine. Was that, do you think, because of the Tom Cruise star power? Yeah. Because the movie is definitely set in like cold weather it's set mm-hmm. in new york at christmas yeah. yeah yeah i mean they go to a christmas the big ball at the beginning is a christmas party like big fucking yeah. trench coats and yeah. that's weird i have no idea why they did that i know that kubrick died like a week or two before the like, movie actually like even came out yeah, yeah. uh but uh i don't know why they were so heavy on that date at all don't i don't i don't know i mean it, it would have been better to come out with it yeah. in, later in the year yeah uh, you know, we've, we've talked about, um, solo. I, I continue to think solo, first of all, in my opinion, is, is underrated because I thought it was a lot of fun. But, you know, we talked about why did it come out in fucking May yep. when December was wide open mm-hmm. except for Aquaman and Aquaman cleaned up, I think because it was the thinnest kid at Fat Man, get Fat Camp. The, uh, that movie does not hold up to me, by the way. No. Aquaman? No. No. Like, I, I think I, I was so starved for DC to have some positivity that I was reading Chase stuff Momoa into Momoa is so, is, is, is good in it, is so good in it and funny in it that he carries as far as it can go. Yeah. But everything else around that <laughs> is awful. The effects are so bad. Yeah. Willem Dafoe and is uncharacteristically bad. Amber Heard is very pretty. But that's about it. That's all I got to say about you know, it. By the way, just wanted to bring this up because Amber Heard is also one of those, like, 
she's still in that weird like uh i don't know what to think about her yet mm. because we don't know what's going on with that johnny depp thing yeah i don't know any here the last thing that happened to that about that don't know if johnny depp's the asshole she's the asshole seems but, like it keeps going back and but forth. we also I, I i felt bad that we didn't bring that up about asia argento last time too uh, last week because Asia Argento had a situation where she slept with an underage uh, uh, kid and uh, she had to settle that out of court. And they, they took like she, she she took pictures of them in bed. Yes, and he was like sixteen, seventeen, seventeen years old, I believe. Yeah, I and uh, and so like uh, that had that had happened. And while you were talking about that movie last week, I was like. Oh, I don't know. Cause the last thing I heard, I thought there was like some change in that case. Oh, but no, it was just that she slept with him and didn't know that she was, he was under 18. I don't know if I knew that. Wow. You didn't know that? I don't think I knew that. No. Yeah. It's was one that of the fairly recent. Like, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Because she, you, she was obviously one of the pioneers in the Me Too. Yeah. 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 And then, and then he came out and, and then said, that hey, dude came out and said, I got you. I got you. Yeah. So wow. anyway, just wanted to bring that up. Didn't want to bring the whole show back. <laughs> I got you. Uh, one last thing is Blade Runner in 1982 was released in July. Does anything about that movie besides Harrison Ford scream summer release? Like no, hey. but you know that's also one of those situations where they could just be, uh, it because it seems like if you show a trailer of this, it looks like a big summer blockbuster, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. They don't know it's some ponderous, you know, <laughs> thing. Yeah. So, uh, so that's probably how they marketed it. They probably said, "Ooh, big blockbuster, Harrison, <laughs> Harrison Ford. Ford, yeah, Indiana and Jones and Braver. Han Solo, yeah." uh you know that's um you know that's the that's probably what they did but yeah that that's another movie that probably should have come out in like october november whatever you remember when blade runner 2049 came out it was october or november yeah and and that suits the mood yeah like that's what that that's a movie you want to watch yeah when you're you know you're bundled up in your fall clothes and stuff like that uh so it's Ooh. weird because we're talking about quote unquote prime placement in in summer uh being a problem but in t there's sometimes where it's a problem, yeah. especially when you can release something over the holidays or something like that. Yeah, it's that just more it better suits the mood. Mm, 2049 came out October 6th. Um, yeah, and the I don't know if you brought this up about Solo, but we you know the it did get delayed because of all the yeah. Lord and Miller stuff, and it was supposed to come out December of the previous year, and then they just decided, well, we had our time, let's come out with it in May, and because it it took that long to get it back to yeah to get it to watchable i guess or whatever it was that they had to do but there was, was a, a star wars movie that it was last winter, jedi that that yeah, previous it was last winter, jedi right? and then solo came after that right yeah it was last jedi in the december of what was that 2017 but so, so that, was it the previous december then that they were going to try to come out with it because i don't know or was it always supposed to come out in may i think it was i think it was always supposed to come out in the summer of 20 it would be 2018 yeah it was last year that it came out my brain is a pretzel right now meaning that they had in between the the regular star wars dates they had a prime spot in 2018 december so what we're saying is they didn't delay it or anything they just decided to come out with it in may right and then they could have come out with it in december where they where everybody's used to watching star wars right now, and they didn't and there's no competition mm. really yeah and plus you know what we've talked about before there was there's star wars fatigue 
from watching Last Jedi. Yes. And then there was Star Wars blowback from watching The Last Jedi. Yeah, because, yeah, I, I, man, the more and more as time goes by, man, that movie, like, people just physically hate Ryan Johnson. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, yeah, again, I think we talked about this before. There's no reason to hate somebody over a stupid movie. No. Well, it's worse, I think, for the, the two guys that show ran Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Because they had to back out of Comic Con. Oh, really? Yeah, because the shitheads online were going to go throw shit at him and heckle him and scream at him for ruining the season. There's a whole subreddit dedicated. It's called Free Folk. It's dedicated to bashing Benoit and <laughs> Benny Off and Wise. Benny Off and Wise. Um, they they call them the D's. They take it very personally. They forget that these gentlemen shepherded the first seven seasons of the show you fucking love. Yep. Yep. They focus only on. I wouldn't have ended it that way. The internet has made us all worse. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a that's a bad. I'm telling you, I've said look. it before. If you shut down Twitter tomorrow, instantly the world is a better place to live. Yeah, you instantly gotta with, you gotta agree with that. Yeah, I, I think so. Well, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Agnes and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit Cinemasins.com. Plus, I probably won't even be mad at them. I won't make friends with them. But apparently, the wild turkeys are a big nuisance to the landscape. Really? Yeah. They just do what they want. He was like, I'm not talking about like two turkeys. I'm talking about like 30 turkeys. Oh, shit. Hmm. That's like, that's a gaggle of turkeys. It's, it's yeah. a murder of turkeys. It's a murder of turkeys. Yes. By the way, a group of turkeys is called a rafter. A rafter? A rafter of turkeys. <laughs> a rafter? I think at some point they got whoever <laughs> was just a, like whoever something you know, got tired. They are often incorrectly referred to as a gobble oh. or simply a flock. Uh, they are a rafter. I have no rafter. idea how they came up with this. How they come up with murder of crows? Well, that one I know. Seriously? Well, because when crows are together more than two or three, it's almost always because they're ganging up on like a mockingbird or a hawk, and they literally kill some other bird or animal. So they they get together in a group to murder, <laughs> and that is I, I'm I'm 99 sure I'm not making this shit well, up. Well, and 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 I, I think I think crows and ravens are technically the same thing, but yeah. like, uh, but ravens they they're uh, unkindness. Oh, that that one I have heard before, yeah. but that's dumb. Yeah, treachery or conspiracy An of ravens. Of ravens. Hold on. What is it again? Unkindness. An unkindness of Raven? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like, honestly, no one has ever used this in their lives. Like, no one ever, like, you know, he's like a farmer coming out going, oh, look, there's an unkindness of the Ravens. <laughs> Yonder unkindness. Yonder unkindness. Yes. I think Edgar Allan Poe was the only guy who ever used it. <laughs> That's probably where they get yeah. it from. Is it Raven? Is Raven the plural or yeah, is it Ravens? Ravens. Yeah. Ravens. <laughs> Yeah. We've all learned something today. We, we did. did. Let's go home now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go and I'll read a week's worth of tweets from you at some point, but never, <laughs> like, never every day. Have anything. you read the one yet where I gave you credit for I watched Apollo 11? I did read that one, yes. God damn, that movie was amazing. It is. Mm -hmm. Like, it completely steals from First Man all of the moon awe 
that First Man gave me mm-hmm. because it's real. Mm-hmm. Like, have you seen First Man? Yeah. So that that moment when he gets out of the craft and, the, and it just goes, I guess in IMAX, it went full IMAX and it's just dead silent moon dust mm-hmm. uh, is awesome. But now I will never feel as, as awesome yeah. because I, felt, I saw basically the same thing on documentary footage. Yeah. And I'm also like, I think you said this when you talked about it on the podcast, but how many other great fucking movies are out there sitting in some archive somewhere that we just don't know about? Yeah, no telling. That's crazy that they had all that just sitting in an archive. I know. And who was the guy who came along? I might want to make a movie. Can I check out your archives? Oh, look, I found hours and hours of fucking moon. Yeah. They probably, you know, it, it feels like maybe possibly, and I haven't read the story I'm talking out of my ass, but like, uh, it feels almost like they didn't know or they didn't think they had it or that nobody thought much of the footage at all. Like yeah. when, when, when they stored it off somewhere, like they didn't think, eh. I mean, everybody's got what they need. They see, <laughs> they see what they need to see. They didn't think any of the other stuff was it was interesting. Yeah. But then, but then when you finally go back and look at it, maybe it takes fifty years. You're just like, wow. Yeah, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah. This is, to your knowledge, this is like previously unseen by oh, anybody except for de- yeah it's definitely previously unseen and it's yeah, all crazy. official archival footage it's not they didn't shoot anything new for this or audio they just well, masked yeah it all in up. fact they they uh they had a rule about uh not using any other media that they didn't find on their oh, own really? or didn't happen on that day um or that in that that those couple of days they had a rule but they broke the rule once for something and i can't remember what it was it was some you know some sort of footage that they needed to, to put to, in there to put the dots together yeah so did this get a wide release no did so. this get any release i mean i think it did uh but i don't i don't remember what kind of release it had i just picked it up this is one of those picked it up on a whim type of things going to best buy Oh yeah, and, you know, I was like Apollo Eleven. What was that? Yeah, well, that wasn't like it could really be anything. It right? really could be because we we have Apollo eighteen out yeah. there, and uh, and I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is like actual documentary footage. Okay, put that in the cart. It could technically have been a Rocky movie. Yeah, it could have. It could have. <laughs> I mean, you know, once Creed gets into the Elevens, you know, <laughs> Creed Five, yeah, thousand, yeah, yes. The next time we saw Jeremy, he was smoking a cigar. Yeah. <laughs> that he lit with a Superman action comic number one. <laughs> yes. You'd be buying everybody like dinner at the cafe. You know? like, Have another one. It's 15000 It's a Hyundai. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a Hyundai. By the way, after that Seinfeld binge, I haven't, I don't think I've watched it since. <laughs> Before, oh, really? like, hey, did you know that was it TBS isn't going to have sign or was it? Yes, yeah, TBS isn't going to have Seinfeld anymore and it's going to be on Netflix. Yeah. I heard that it was going to be on Netflix, so they're not going to. Is That's that going to be like the in 2022 or something, though? It's, yeah, like, it's like a year and a half, two years away. So they've got a different deal, obviously, than Friends because Friends is everywhere, but also Netflix. They're just they're now starting to make more exclusive deals now that all these other streaming services are cropping up. And so I don't I didn't hear the part about TBS not showing it anymore, but that doesn't surprise me because I did hear that Netflix threw like an ungodly amount of money at Seinfeld that they can never earn back. But they needed to have at least one top five all time show in order to compete with. Anyway, we're going to talk more about streaming services. Are they going to lose Frasier? I don't know about Frasier. They're losing friends for sure. But but they're 
they should probably be. They're losing the office too, right? For the NBC, I think so. Streaming thing, I think so. Well, I don't know. See, it all, it's all going to depend on the production company that made the show, not what channel it originally aired on. Well, yeah, I think the office is is clearly a a universal Comcast yes. show, so that will go to the NBC service. Okay, uh, I I have heard I have heard the office is leaving. Yes. But I don't know when. A lot of this stuff happens like in a year from now or something. But see, Friends is leaving Netflix not because of NBC, but because of Warner Brothers. Where's it going? Oh, it's is it going, going to Warner Brothers streaming service or whatever the fuck they're going to call that shit? Are you serious? I thought it was NBC. Really? Maybe. I don't fucking know. No, no. I mean, that it's totally possible. I didn't think about where it would land. Well, Warner Brothers produced that show, so they have, they have the rights. So whenever Friends goes anywhere, Warner Brothers... Wow. I wonder Signs if they're, that document. the office is leaving at the end of 2020. Yikes. At the end of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Get plenty of time. Um, year, year. Friends is leaving in 2020. I don't know what time, what the... Uh, I never really thought about where it would land. I just assumed it was going to be NBC. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there's no real reason for it to be. Yeah. I wonder if they're also going to be taking it off of Nick at Night and like fucking... Um, tbs or all the other channels that friends yeah, are i don't on. know i don't get it, it if those if those pre-existing deals run for 10 more years they can't do anything about it mm-hmm. yeah that's can true play it that's as true. long as they want that's true um yeah and starting in october 2021 uh repeats of seinfeld will leave tbs and viacom has it uh comedy central parent paramount network tv land and pop tv um and then it, and then Netflix will be Seinfeld's exclusive streaming home in 2021. Okay. Oh, okay. So Paramount Paramount Network already runs Friends reruns occasionally and that's probably because they own the show. Hmm. So it's it's not leaving TBS because of the Netflix deal. It's leaving TBS because Paramount wants to run it on its own networks. God damn. Yeah, it's going to be a minefield. Think about how much money is fucking involved in all of the stuff that we Dude, just the talked cast about. Of, the cast of Friends makes about $20 million a year. Just today. Just Are you from serious? Yeah, just from residuals and royalties. It's absurd. It's also like the most popular show in Europe for some weird reason. What would you do? This is like the post-scarcity thing that we were talking about with Andy Weir. Like, what would you do with $20 million? Yeah, I'd, every, be like, year. I'd be like Matt LeBlanc and not do anything. There you go. He probably much, worked more than most of them. Though. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm, it's a, I'm just taking a cheap shot at Malibu. Um <laughs> Well, he hasn't been. It's like he hasn't a been anything. anything like, yeah, he hasn't been anything that we've seen in a I while. But you know, if you ha- if you're making all that money, I guess I Jennifer Aniston's probably worked the most since Friends. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston's like in every movie now. Yeah, she is. She's. I don't mind. She's probably got like a hundred credits at this point. And she's going to be in that uh, Apple show, too. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to get that and watch it and tell me if it's good, because I'm not going to plunge. No. Schwimmer did that OJ thing. Yeah. Really, and, and, like, animated stuff. Yeah. But nobody really has to work. They're just, like, basically, you know, come to me with something that I that I, that I I dig, and uh, and I'll do it. Courtney Cox hasn't done anything recently. When was the last time you saw Matthew Perry do anything? I, you know, that's a shame, because going back and watching, he's totally the best part of Friends. He's the funniest, I think, performer. Absolutely, he gets, yes. He gets 90% of the material that we look back on and cringe at, though. Uh, like, he gets all the jokes about all not wanting jokes. to be seen as gay, yes, yes, and yes. Uh, we need to get ESPN because I like those flowers, all that other bullshit that he does. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway. That's true. Because Schwimmer has the physical comedy, and... Uh, Tribbiani, Matt LeBlanc has 
some some decent lines just yeah. from him being dumb. But Chandler has like the the combination of both of yeah. those. And Phoebe's really the only funny girl in the Friends, right? Yeah, it's written to be funny. At, She's written to be at funny. First, yeah. at first, Rachel is supposed to be like. I mean, she's like the main source of the comedy with yeah. the women. At yeah. first, they haven't really gotten Phoebe Phoebe written in yet. At, mm-hmm. at the, Phoebe really starts getting taken stride like towards the end of the first. Yeah, beginning of the second. But remember, Rachel was like always this like. I, I don't know if it continues throughout the entire run. No, she had run, quips. She had actual quips like but, written into it. But she she was always the bumbling, couldn't get the job done mm-hmm. waitress and all that. I don't know if they continued that throughout. But like, no, she becomes a very successful fashion buyer by the end of the show. Yeah, <laughs> but well, yeah, yeah, the first season, she's the rich girl who has to cut up daddy's credit cards and doesn't know how to live in the real world. And yeah, she's a shitty waitress because mm-hmm. she's daddy's little rich girl. Yeah, she's just left dude at the altar. Barry. Mm-hmm barry and all that there's all these different like things that you know that made her the sort of the she was the comic focus mm-hmm. of the women and then everything involving courtney cox was like her mom yeah that was pretty much it but yeah do you remember the the thing with the the guy the restaurant owner that was hiring her to be the chef but like immediately started you being dirty being dirty that's lowell lowell a, he's on Frasier. He's a recurring character on Frasier who that has a character? crush. That actor oh, okay. who has a crush on Roz. And he's always like, oh, hey, Roz, why don't we go to dinner, Roz? Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in this one, he's like, is the lettuce dirty? <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to clean it. No, don't clean it. I like it dirty. <laughs> well, so who, fucked who, up. Who, who did John Lovitz play? Lovitz played somebody. He was on two episodes playing the same guy, actually. And he plays uh, a restaurateur who's looking to hire Monica. Yeah. But he shows up stoned. Right. And so <laughs> she's like, here, I made this uh, amuse bouche. And he's like, boom, boom, boom. He eats it all. Mmm, that was good. <laughs> he goes to the kitchen. He's like, crackers. <laughs> Whenever I go to a big city, like the, the most rewarding thing that I can do is just walk around to the sites, you know, use the public transit and stuff like that. Uh, hang out in the open spaces and stuff like that, especially in this time of year where it's going to be nice and cool and everything. Going to go down the Seine River a little tour, mm-hmm. um, and uh, basically do tour stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, is the Louvre on there on the list? Is uh, is no Eiffel Tower? Eiffel Tower definitely. Gusto's. <laughs> yes, Gusto. Well, I'm going <laughs> to eat the fuck out of Paris. You better eat the fuck out of Paris. Oh my God, we're staying like right in the middle. Fairly close to the Eiffel Tower. Well, you know, every uh, hotel room and apartment in in Paris has a view of the Eiffel Tower. Right? I think ours does actually. <laughs> every single one. Yes, I would still highly recommend going to the Louvre. Whereas I would recommend going to the Louvre. Louvre. Mm-hmm. What should I go to Notre Dame or Notre Dame? What is it? Uh, well, Lionel now, Lionel right? Hutt yeah. says something like, uh, "Yeah, I have the degrees from the Sorbonne, the <laughs> Harvard, the Louvre." <laughs> <laughs> Have you have you been to Paris? Yeah, you went uh, to the Louvre, nineteen ninety five. Yes, uh, went to Louvre. I went to uh, Eiffel Tower. I wish I was a foodie back then. I was not, so yeah. I did not taste the uh, the food of Paris. Really, I did, but not to the point of like, yeah, I can't oh. wait to get to this. I'm gonna get some escargot, baby. Yeah? First first night, first night is my birthday. Why mm-hmm. escargot? Is that a French? Is that a Paris staple? Oh yeah, oh, it yeah. is. Oh yeah. Oh, I thought it was like, okay, all right. That's, I didn't know that. Yeah. It, you know what's funny is that you, you think it's a tourist thing, but uh, French onion soup or soup l'oignon is like a uh, the quintessential Parisian dish. 
So I'm going to get a bunch of that shit. You know, too. that's one of those weird. America needs to figure the fuck out of that dish because I've had it a number of times and it's either terrible or awesome. Yep. There is no in between for French onion soup. No, and I don't understand that. I bet in Paris it's all awesome. <laughs> yeah, but in the U.S. it's like oh, I'm going to stop ordering that. The last one I had tasted like diaper. Yeah, Panera. <laughs> 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 